This is Papa Smurf. You're listening to Our Lifestyle, the podcast with ODB and the mayor. You want to bang it out a little bit? I love when you say bang it out. Yo, 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 yo. It's our Lifestyle Podcast episode 297. Thanks for rocking with us. We're back. We got a jam-packed episode. I think Mike and I, if I got him on, I think we're going to have a shorter segment. I don't know if that's possible, but Miggity Mike, the mayor, are you there, brother? Bro, I am here. Hey, did you get it all wet? Stick it in, get it wet? Dude, the memory card, it just, it had. I had to keep inserting and reinserting it. It wasn't reading it. Does that ever happen to you? Did you pull it pull it out and put it back in? Yeah. Oh, okay, cool, cool, cool. Yeah. That's what you do. Did right? it slide right back in? Yeah, it was like butter. Uh like butter. Love it. Love it. Dude, absolutely wonderful. Had a fabulous freaking weekend. Got to see a bunch of our boys, our girls, our homies, our chicas. Uh, this past weekend at Southern Tradition, hats off to Frank and Heather for uh, putting on a great show like they always do. And, uh, bro, the only thing we could ask for anything better was just some no fucking rain. But, God dang, does it rain, man. Almost rained the whole way there. Almost rained the whole way back. But, hey, all in all, it was a great weekend. I mean, we got to see Damian Davis, the Boons, Dizzy, fucking uh, Glenn Brown, the Culpeppers, David and Brandy. I mean, dude, how can we not forget we got to see Cookies and Cream. And, dude, just so you know. Oh, shit. Just so you know, Banana Hammock, Gone Postal, Little Bird, Big Bird, whatever the hell you want to call it, was at the same show, okay, with with Cookies and Cream, and bro, I toppled him. I got him. I got him. On the I got him by one point. By one point, I got him. So, hey, those judges... There were no ju- like um, there was no money exchange, right? Like under the table. No, never no money exchange at all. Dizzy might have done a little, you know, uh, favors, you know, little reach arounds or whatever. I had no part of it. I don't know what was going on, but it was good to see our boy Eddie and of course, um, you know, his his tour manager, the world tour manager. Uh, you know, so we got to see both of them. And, uh, uh, so, Hey, life was good, man. Um, we had a great time. Um, good, good. You know, of course, you know, Lauren and Andrew, uh, Miller, uh, they were out there promoting. And, uh, so dude, we had a fabulous, fabulous, dude, they had some really high quality vehicles. Shane Andrews was out there with his, you know, fighter jet, uh, truck. Um, you know, it, we had, we had a great time, man. I got to chill with my, with our homeboy, Scotty, the body, at the park next to, you know, two two badass Mazdas out there. Then they, of course, Damien went and did the whole uh, photo shoot with all the graphics. You know how they do that, man. So they, they did that out there and had a um, had a good time, man. We went and had um, uh, ice cream at Busta's. Uh, got to see Joey with Get, uh, Get Decked. And, of course, we can't forget the number one OLP super fan is what he called himself. Yo, yo. Listens every week. Our boy Gage, man, Gage is also Gage. Not only is Gage the number one OLP super fan, but he's also the Uno champion. Homeboy took out all those grown men and Uno. Never seen so many grown men cry in, in, in my whole entire life 
But when Gage put the smack down on them and took them out and uh, being two years in a row at Southern Tradition. Dude, that's top so ropes. To Gage. That's top ropes, Gage, right there. And thanks for going top ropes on Mike. I heard that you you know, you know, went down on him and kind of got the elbow to the, the face because, you know, Mike was walking around thinking Banana Hammock was the best to show. But, dude, I'm so glad. I don't know how you eked out Cookies and Cream. I'm going to have to do some ODB investigative work. So we'll have to see, Mike. But for now, I guess it stands. We'll take you for your word. Well, hey, I, you know, on Sunday when they made the announcements during the judging, you know, or during the trophy ceremony, um, they still gave them best to show truck. Aww. But I got the I got the judging sheets to prove it, bro. So I don't know what happened. I don't know what happened. But, you know, um, I think there might have been a technicality. That, you know, I did check off the wrong box that said do not get judged, mm. but they judged mine. They judged mine anyway. Yep. So I think they might, you know, they, you know, Eddie's a big dude. So I think maybe they, they were worried that if they didn't give him yeah. the best to show truck that he would have got uh, angry or something. And I wasn't there on Sunday to accept the award anyway. So I think that's what it might have yeah, been. And they're not shipping. I mean, come on. There ain't shipping that stuff to you, you know. No, no, there is no shipping uh, tr uh, show show trophies, bro. That does not happen. Well, listen, I want to thank everyone for coming back, listening to OLP. If you're a new listener and you've come here because of Sean, Sean is a great guy. This episode is jam-packed. Mike and I are going to have a shorter intro here. Uh, the key thing is, Sean from Rad BMX Build stops by, almost a 30-year veteran to the U.S. Um, you know, uh, military. So salute to him. And uh, it's it's jam packed, Mike. We we talk mini trucks. He's got a connection to Devious Customs. We talk, of course, bikes. Uh, he also recently went to Haro Bikes, and there's uh, stuff on his YouTube channel. So we'll get into all that, Mike. We're also gonna tr I'm gonna try right because we're gonna have a shorter segment. I'm gonna try to link up link up with Ryan Morgan. I know you've been telling me you go yo Jay. I didn't you have an idea? You said you know because I snore loud, right? And you said, yo, Jay, if you're sleeping, Ryan wants to kind of do a deal where they get the Viagra compressors and put them up next to your ear while you're dead asleep, and they're going to see if they can wake you up, right? Maybe YouTube. We'll have to figure out where it's going to go. But that's how quiet they're saying these new compressors are from Viagra. And, Mike, if you know mini trucks, you know we love our compressors. Viagra, believe it or not, little fun fact, at the beginning of our episode, when you hear that compressor, and then you hear those air valves, you know, that's AccuAir, and that's Viair paired together. So, Mike, how cool would that be, man? Maybe get one by each ear and see how long I could sleep with them just full fucking tilt. Let's be honest. Uh, bro, I honestly think that you're going to be able to sleep right through it because uh, I was straight across from them at Scraping the Coast. They were running them, displaying them, and I couldn't hear them. It sounded like a hummingbird over there, bro. They were so quiet. Dude, I love So it. quiet. Mike, uh, I'm glad that you had a good time with Southern Tradition. I would tell people I've been. It's every July. It's Canton, Georgia. Don't get it confused. Don't get it twisted. It's not Canton, Ohio. They're down in the great state of Georgia. Uh, every July, you can find Southern Tradition, Facebook and Instagram. Waka and team are great people. Mike, we don't have a lot of time. I do apologize, but I do got one question for you. We got the trivia with Mike. Are you ready? Now it's time to get serious. Bro, I am always ready. And hey, just like last week, this again is going to be sponsored by... Well, you know what? No, it's not. Let's go ahead and let's go. Yeah. 
Because you know why? He didn't even listen to last week's podcast when we tried to give him a shout-out. Didn't even listen to it. You know what? So you know what? Blacklisted. F that other guy. Hashtag Bla- yes. Black, blacklisted. Black Absolutely. Dude, Absolutely. Dizzy's got a problem. He comes through you. You know what I'm saying? He comes through Boom. you, Mike. Okay, Mike. Boom. So, so listen, I know Sean will know this one. I recently used this one. I know you're probably not going to know it. But I'm gonna give Probably you a, not. I'm going to give you a couple good hints, man. So uh, you're actually going to give me some good hints. I'm shocked. Okay. One one of the hints is the name of this group is going to be the new name of your truck in a few minutes. You're going to get that announcement, right? I know you don't know that's coming. But in 1983, oh, no, this hit single from an English girl band is released. Now, here's the, here's the key. It's released. It comes out in America in 84 via a movie now it's not on the soundtrack it's on it, it i'm gonna tell you the movie it's in the karate kid movie okay it's one of my all-time favorite songs okay you guys can knock me down or whatever man it brings me back to the early days it's featured in karate kid released technically in 83 again english girl band by the name of this band so you can name the band you can name the song i'm going to give you the tick either way right the other cool thing is about 20-some-odd years later, Ace of Bass, they re-record the song, and it's a jam hit. I think there's even now, um, there's maybe even a TV show named after the song. I don't know. But if you think back to the Karate Kid, dude, with some Elizabeth Shue playing some soccer, this song kicks in, and it just brings you back. And, oh, the last one. Simmons Paint, he his truck is named this, right? We saw it at Orange Beach Invasion. We saw them down at that show, e, EB, EBGD. We saw him at Eastbound Get Down in January. His truck is named after this song. So if you can't get this one, Mike, I mean, I don't know that I can throw you any more softballs. Bro, I, I tell you what, this softball is probably one of the softest softballs <laughs> you have ever, ever, you know, threw me. And you, you know what? At the same time, um, I honestly don't even know what the heck it is because, dude, uh, man, you're letting us down. Well, I'm gonna I'm tell you here, it's "Cruel Summer," dude. You remember the song? It's a cruel summer. That's the name of Simmons' oh. paint truck. Okay, and it's by the banana. The the name. Let me get. Don't get ahead of myself. Bananarama. So Josh Ellis and I came up with the idea, you know, there's the ban- banana hammock, and that's hard enough to say, like in Carney, Biz and Anna his hammock, right? What we were thinking is we'll rename it like the banana rama hammock, you know, and then when we say wow. the Carney, because that's so much easier to say, right? Because there's a lot of syllables in there. I mean, more than I can count. I mean, remember, I went to Land Lakes High School, right? But Bananarama saying Cruel Summer, dude, and that's the jam still, bro. And I know you know the song, but, you know, it's still fun playing. Because I have no – even after you tell me, even after you tell me what it was called, I still have no clue what that song is. I could see you bebopping to it, man, you know, next to your truck. And I'm telling you, dude, if you go get you some lizard skin or some alligator boots, I think you need to get, like, kind of the whole outfit because, dude – Think about, you know, when Eddie Gordy's at a show, don't be don't be intimidated, you know, by Eddie's, you know, ready to knock you out. Kind of feel like, you know, if you get the outfit to go with your truck, I think that's going to persuade the judges to go, you know, do you see Mike over there with the alligator skin boots listening to some banana, banana ramic in the banana hammock? Banana. 
banana rama. Yeah. <laughs> bro. They're get, bro. You so won't look at even that. need you've done, confu- you've done confused the hell out of yourself now, bro. <laughs> you so, won't even need billet. I, I, the billet, <laughs> banana rama, his hammock, dude. Uh, I mean, Papa Smurf would be so proud of how we've laced the story together, you know. He 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 loved doing that, you know, the nicknames and all that. So, I mean, we're, the the front. If we ever do a front license plate on your truck, it's going to be long. It's going to be longer than one of those European tags, you know. Uh, bro, I think it's going to take up the whole fucking bumper, bro. <laughs> I mean, we're just going to keep adding nicknames to this damn truck, and it's just going to keep going and going and going like the Energizer Bunny. But you know, hey, as long as Gracie May is there, yes. I don't think Eddie will. Well, I don't think Eddie. She'll keep Eddie under control. The manager. And we'll, we will. Stage manager. Oh, she is the she is the world tour manager. I asked her. I said, "Hey, can you make sure you get eastbound get down January thirteenth through the fifteenth, twenty twenty three, destination Daytona Complex in Ormond Beach, Florida? Can you get that marked down on your calendar, please?" And she says, "And then she says, I got you taken care of. Don't worry, got it." She says, "As soon as pre registration opens, I'll make sure to get that pre registration in." And, uh, but of course, you know, he's got to have that pavilion parking, you know, right up front yeah. by the stage, yeah. you know, so, I, so Air I, con- we got you. Air conditioning, trailer, you. bathroom, you know, those, like, I got to have that within 30 feet of the oh, absolutely. Booth, you know, I got, you know, there's, yep. there's yep. parameters that you have to meet to kind of get someone like Eddie or myself to come to your show, you know? Oh, absolutely. So. And I got to have the concrete. He's got to get the concrete. The red carpet's going to be rolled out for him. Dude, that's awesome, Mike. Well, listen, dude, I know the longtime listeners, we're going to have to cut our, our segment a little bit short. I got to run up to a little truck meet tonight for Tuesday. Mike's out gallivanting. He's got stuff going on. Uh, I want to thank all of the new listeners that we've picked up. Um, I'll also say thank you so much to Scraping the Coast, our title sponsor uh, with Custom Car Show Productions. Their next event is Bayou Showdown, Slidell, Louisiana, the weekend before Thanksgiving, though, of course, um, they have been promoting that already. If you look at Scraping the Coast Instagram, you'll see, again, that's underneath their umbrella, Custom Car Show Productions. That's Bayou Showdown. Uh, So much thanks to uh, the fam there. I also want to thank for our outline, our our fine friends over at Graphics Mafia. If you need stickers, decals, a little bit of design work, hit up Graphics Mafia, G-R-A-P-H-I-X Mafia.com. Instagram, they're also on TikTok, I believe, and Facebook. You can hit them up, let Ryan or Buddy know what you need. Uh, last year, they did all the stickers for Chad Luke's truck uh, for SEMA. So how cool was that? And more on Chad Luke's truck a little bit later in this episode. So next up with Mike dropping, uh, I will go through some of the normal updates that we have. Not going to go too in-depth. Um, I also wanted to mention that I am going to try to see about getting a friend that I met four years ago at Helltrack on. So since we got Sean from Rad BMX Builds, I kind of wanted to tie in some cool uh, bike-themed stuff for this episode. And there's a guy that goes by Poor Boy Steve. He's on Instagram. He sells magazines. He is fully kind of engulfed in the whole BMX slash freestyle bike culture. And like, like I said, I met him four years ago when I went out to Helltrack. So... Um, I want to talk a little bit about, um, you know, bikes with him if I can. And again, just going to try to make this a jam-packed episode. If you're a new listener, please smash the follow or subscribe, uh, you know, icon, however you're listening to us. Uh, If you're on YouTube, hey, thank you. 
but just know that if you open Spotify, Pandora, Apple Podcast, download Podbean, you know, all of those major platforms, you can find OLP, also known as Our Lifestyle Podcast. So make sure you follow and or subscribe. Of course, if like I said, if you're coming here for Sean, you're going to love the content that we've been doing um, going on, you know, seven, eight years of content. And half of that almost has been literally every single Friday without a Friday missed. But that's a few more things that we kind of have in store. Uh, the last episode recap, uh, we we kind of did a an episode last week of keeping a pulse on the scene. We talked about East Tennessee Showdown. We talked about one of our favorite shows, Scraping the Coast. Go back and listen to it, and that would kick off a very good uh, stretch for you to go back um, if you're a new listener. Uh, we do want to thank Lone Star Throwdown. Uh, if you are in the truck scene, you know Lone Star Throwdown every year in Conroe, Texas. It's going down the last weekend in February, and we're less than 30 days away from the pre-registration opening, typically capped at about 2,000 vehicles. Um, it's mostly trucks, and we've continued to see additional bikes, uh, you know, bicycles, you know, in with the displays and things like that. I'm super excited about the show. I pre-registered the last couple years. This year, I'm really hoping to have my Lincoln out there um, and, you know, maybe a bike or two, right? So... It'd be cool if, if you guys come out, even as spectators, you guys know that this show is like the biggest, baddest around, LoneStarThrowdown.com for more. Uh, from a general update perspective, the few things I'll mention this week is, number one, I mentioned Clerks 3 recently coming. I'm super excited to see Clerks 3 because going back, I love the first one. If you haven't seen it in a long time, you got to go watch it. And again, Mini Trucker slash Mini Trucking Magazine is mentioned in the movie. I said that on one of the recent um, flip-throughs on YouTube, so check it out. Uh, I'm, again, super excited for Clerks 3. I'm also excited for about a year down the road, we're less than a year now, to the new Indiana Jones movie. I know some of you are probably scratching your head going, eh, didn't like the last one. Well, listen, most people did not like the last Indiana Jones. Totally get it. Um, I didn't mind it so much, but I, I understand there were some scenes like, when Mutt was swinging on the vines and stuff like that, I'm just kind of like, eh, a little bit too far out there. Um, but this, the new movie is, I have no doubt it's going to be awesome. I've been following very closely the um, kind of the developing story on it and all of the little, um, you know, basically intel that's coming out of the filming. Of course, they've wrapped principal photography. James Mangold um, is directing it, which is awesome. You know, Steven Spielberg is like, hey, you know, we got to bring someone else in. You know, this guy's 58 years old, and he's an American filmmaker. You know, if you think about movies like Copland, Girl, Interrupted, Walk the Line, 310 to Yuma, The Wolverine, and Logan, you know, those are the movies that are under his belt, and I, I'm super excited about it, but that's, again, a year from now. The other general update that I wanted to do was I wanted to mention, so I talked about Hell Track a minute ago. So four years ago, if you've been a longtime listener, you know I went to the event at Texplex in Midlow. That's uh, short for Midlow. I can't even say it. Uh, for Midlow, Texas, right? And if you want to see my journey, I wasn't really you know doing a lot of vlogging back at you know in that time you know I've, I've gotten better with editing I've gotten better with the content but I, I still think it's a pretty solid watch you could go on YouTube and type in Helltrack 2018 
probably going to be one of the first couple videos. I know Mongoose produced a few uh, for their riders and whatnot, which are super cool to watch. But you'll see ours from OLP, and I you know, had that prior engagement to go to Scrapin', which was the same weekend. So I went to the Helltrack event on day one, the VIP day, and man, it was a blast. So you'll see photos, kind of some behind-the-scenes stuff. I got a chance to just literally kind of live my dream, you know, meeting Eddie Fiola, meeting Martin Aparito, uh, poor boy Steve, uh, who hopefully we'll have on this episode a few minutes, and just so many other uh, kinfolk. I, I'd love to see more stuff. So you'll hear Sean later talk about an idea that he has to kind of do, you know, a BMX theme type event. There's there's some across the nation. You know, Bob Haro's got one going on. Uh, we'll hit upon, but um, you know, it just great time, you know, great memory, uh, many great memories from that. So if you want to check out kind of what um, some of the photos I took, uh, you know, flying out to Dallas, driving over there, you know, I did it all solo. And then I left after that long day and I drove overnight to Biloxi for scraping the coast. But that was kind of the commitment that I had. And in hindsight, I do wish I would have stayed the whole weekend because uh, there's some friendships that I've made, you know, uh, the Christian Hollings blazer guy that we've had on, uh, rad, uh, movie cars, you know, you know, those kind of relationships and poor boy, Steve, I've kept in contact and bought stuff from all of that manifested from hell track in Midlow four years ago in June. So, um, you know, check it out on YouTube. The general updates this week brought to you by Joey at get decked. If you've got a photo or artwork like what Sean's got with Rad BMX Builds, you could put that artwork on a skate deck. Hit up Joey at Get Decked uh, on Facebook or Instagram. Just look up Get Decked. Send him a direct message. He'll do as minimum or low quantities as one. But if you've got a brand um, like what Sean does from Rad BMX, certainly it would be advantageous, if possible, to, to get some decks made. And maybe even if you don't ship them out, if you go to these different events and you're vending Definitely people love uh, this kind of merch, so hit up Joey at Get Decked. We did the trivia with Mike a couple of minutes ago, but I want to shout out AccuWare. Uh, you guys know AccuWare for the plug-and-play um, seemingly applications that they have, and they've continued to roll out new products, and we often get people that say, man, are they back in business? The answer is yes, they're back. AccuWare.com, just how it sounds. They've got uh, merchandise for sale you can also go under AccuWare Life and go to Get Featured. If you've got AccuWare on your vehicle, you submit your information right there online. They'll tag you. They ask for your Instagram handle and uh, the, the photographer Instagram handle as well, which I think is great. They always give photo credit. Huge shout out to AccuWare. Next, we got the scene updates. And um, I didn't save a whole bunch but here's a couple from, you know, the Facebook, Instagram world. Scott Brunselmeyer, love his Mazda. It's one of my favorite out there. This guy has been on a tear. I don't know what Miggity Mike the Mayor is going to do, man, because Scott is killing it. Repping Bonsai Cruisers, uh, dancing bed slash tilt bed, and so much more. But he's also uh, recently shown off his new Switch Box, which is a DeLorean. So it's pretty awesome. Uh, check it out, Scott Brunselmeyer on uh, Facebook. He's out there. You know, you know, he doesn't stop. Uh, here is David Magadi and others were announcing. So here it is, the newest finished piece 
fresh out of um, the Naked City Pin Garage, and it's a Courtney Hollowell pin, or excuse me, not a pin, it's a it's a coin. Uh, your legacy lives on, so look up David Magotti if you're interested in that. Of course, the proceeds go to the Courtney Hollowell Foundation. Something else, David Magotti, safe and sound back from Gadsden, had a fantastic weekend at Southern Tradition. Of course, that's um, in Canton, Georgia. We talked about it. He had the crew cab out there, the Nissan hard bodies on the rise. So tip of the cap to David. That was another post that I had saved. Speaking of road trips, our friend Matt Yarborough, a.k.a. Mini Truck Matt on YouTube, he's out there doing the thing, man. He He's went on a multi-state, I think like 10-plus state road trip. And... He's linked back up with the family. I think he's back up in Michigan, and he's driving the S10 the whole way. I know he's been doing a lot more content, so Mini Truck Matt, be safe out there and uh, stay on the rise, brother. Uh, Joey Dilworth, we talked about him earlier with Get Deck, but he posted a lot of photos from Southern Tradition, and I tell you what, from the Nissan Hard Bodies and the Toyota Minis and the Dimes, that Crew Cab F100, dude, a lot of cool stuff there, and we said it recently, uh, Southern Tradition, fun show, Canton, Georgia. Get back out there next year in July if you can. Uh, speaking of that, Jeff Kissick, uh, he had a bunch of photos as well. Uh, you know, the Nissan Titan Dually was there. Scott, uh, Scotty the Body. Even our, our big homie Brad and our Brad with the S10. I know uh, I was looking on streettrucksmag.com, and I saw all the winners listed there. And, of course, Brad won uh, Best Interior. Uh, that big body custom interior. And I know uh, Eddie Gordy, speaking of that, uh, Southern Tradition didn't disappoint. He says, Cookies brought home a best truck award, dude. So to him and Macy Gray, awesome. Love the new True Forged wheels, man. Uh, sick stuff. And lastly, tip of the cap to Shane Andrews, recent guest. Of course, we've established that his truck is like next level. And uh, the truck is all military-themed with an amazing airbrushing and artwork on it. He had a blast. Uh, it was awesome weekend. And he got a best of show. So pretty cool stuff, man. Congratulations, Shane. Now, those are some of the scene updates this week. The last thing I'll say is the new Street Trucks magazine, August 2022, is hitting mailboxes now. And I would ask, please, many of you are many truckers. Some of you have come here, again, to listen to Sean's audio or others and my feedback to you is, let's run the numbers up. Many of us were disappointed uh, eight years ago when Mini Truck and Magazine went away. So Street Trucks now does a whole issue dedicated to Mini Trucks. Now, some of them have been featured in the past. I totally get that. I think I covered that last week or the week before. But this is our opportunity with All Time Low Magazine going away. This is our opportunity to try to get more features in Street trucks, okay? Let's prove to street trucks and the management that minis are here to stay and we want more mini trucks featured and or possibly one issue per year, maybe even more of mini trucks. So do yourself a favor, go out there to the newsstands, pick up some issues, uh, maybe even subscribe. You know, if you're not a subscriber already, it's a great book and uh, street trucks, um, uh, you know, website, you can just Google it and you can subscribe there if you want. Scene updates this week brought to you by Garage Gear Clothing. Uh, you think you've seen it all from our scene, but you might be surprised if you go to garagegearclothing.com. 
they've got Garage Girl. They've got the kids stuff on lock. They also have the guys squared away, whether it's a muscle car shirt, a dually, a sport truck, a mini truck. You name it, they've got it all. And guess what? They have free shipping on all US of A orders, garagegearclothing.com. Check it out. You might be surprised at the awesome merchandise they're selling. Next, we got show schedule updates, also known as the key show updates. And there are, as I mentioned, there are a lot of shows going on. Um, I do want to fix or, or, or put one, re- what is it, a retraction out there. And I want to thank Chad Luke, you know, one of our um, top, uh, you know, listeners, just a great guy in general. He, his truck is also featured in street trucks. And I'm so proud of this dude, man. I got a chance to ride in the truck. Just really overwhelmed at Mini Nats, one of our favorite shows in the country. And his truck, you know, not only does he get, um, you know, on the cover of All Time Low Magazine, you know, then he ends up, you know, with this feature. He's on the Hammered Weekend Wear artwork. And uh, he's just got a lot of success going on. And um, he had reached out to say, yo, ODB. I think you got the wrong date for Slamboree. I, you know, I just heard you say it, and I need to fix it on the calendar. So I apologize, and I'm going to fix it. I'm going to move it up. So basically, this weekend, many of you guys are going to be up in Waveland, Indiana, for Camp and Drag. I've been there before. An amazing show. We love, love, love what they're doing. Um, you know, they're continuing to do. It's been ten years since I've been there. So if you're going to Camp and Drag, have fun. Tell uh, Bill and everyone we said what's up. Two weeks from there, so the correction for Slamboree is it's not the first weekend in August. It's the last weekend in July. Okay, so all the NC members, there's going to be, I, I'm, I'm hearing 200-plus vehicles possibly, but Slamboree show on Facebook, you'll see it's July 29th, 30th, 31st, and, of course, uh, there's a lot more information out there. Uh, many of you guys know um, of Slamboree. That is in uh, Oklahoma. So um, if you go out to their Facebook, they have a, a post as recently as June 22nd with a bunch of information. Slamboree, just how it sounds. Up from there, uh, two weeks away, you're going to have the Spark Show, which is the 12th, the 13th, and the 14th of August. The Spark Show, um, you can Google it. That's up in Sevierville, Tennessee. They won our mini truck, um, or they won our show of the year for 2021. They're great people, Dizzy and Adam, and uh, they're going to be. It's going to be going down right up there in Sevierville, Tennessee. The same weekend, the Northwest Cruise to the Pines, uh, and that's of course in the Northwest. So that's going on up there. Uh, the last show that I want to mention, the last weekend rather, I'll mention is a couple weeks after that. You're going to have Dropped and Destroyed, which is September 10th. And um, if you guys don't know, that's in Uniontown, Ohio. And then you have Static Nationals, which is in Rogersville, Tennessee. So that's the kind of the last weekend I want to talk about right now. Uh, if we if we're missing any dates, uh, send me a message or email me our lifestyle podcast at gmail.com. I know a couple of people recently has said, "Yo, ODB, can you add to our calendar?" And um, if I missed them. Or you don't see it on the calendar, let me know. Now, when I say that, if you go to ourlifestylepodcast.com on the left side, you can click on the official OLP show calendar and then tap on your phone where it says click here. uh, And then you can subscribe to um, our calendar, which is where I read all of these dates from 
Of course, it is totally free. The Key Show updates are brought to you by our family at the West Coast Influence. Believe it or not, there's a documentary-style film about our truck scene. It's available from minitruckfilm.com. Radar will personally ship those copies out. You can order the Blu-ray or the DVD. And if you've watched any of my recent um, YouTube flip-throughs of Mini Truck and Magazine, you'll know that I've been continuing to push this awesome documentary. Go out there, add it to your collection. It's affordable and let Radar know that OLP sent you. All right, uh, the podcast updates, there's not a lot to share. Um, what I would ask, though, is if you if you get an opportunity and you listen to this episode, whether you're a new subscriber or you're old school listener, if you haven't taken the time on Apple Podcasts, please, um, it's kind of the, con, you know, the main place where people consume podcasts. So whatever app you're in, try to leave a rating, five-star, if you're on Apple Podcasts, click on Library, select OLP, and then scroll down and tap the five stars. If you want to go um, another step, you know, uh, another step ahead uh, forward, you can also do that. And what I would ask that you do is you just write a review. I think we're at 271, so uh, we certainly appreciate all that. It actually really helps us. It kind of puts us up there with some of the bigger uh, automotive podcasts. And as you guys know. You know, uh, mini trucking is kind of a niche, but we talk about old school BMX as we are on this episode, plus so much more. The last um, thing that I have for you guys are the Airhead Nation updates, and this just is anything that we notice um, from folks that are involved in our truck scene um, and so on and so forth. And I do know our good friend Mark Zitzer, um, he had mentioned uh, his sweet cousin Heidi had passed away at the young age of 34 years old, and... Um, she was born with Williams syndrome, which is uh, very rare, he said, and he posted a photo of her. So may she rest in peace, and uh, we're sorry for your loss, homie. I think that's it for this week. Um, we want to thank Hammered Weekend Wear. I just mentioned them, but um, believe it or not, although we mentioned a lot of different companies, Hammered Weekend Wear just uh, launched two new shirts, Code Red and Dig the Lowness. And I tell you what, if you're here because you like old school BMX, both of these shirts kind of tie into the awesome colors and themes that we all love of the 80s. Go out to H-A-M-M-E-R-D, WeekendWear.com, and show your support. Um, hit the homies up and uh, order some merch. They've got new hats as well that they recently dropped. Uh, what we will try to do is what we got on deck before Sean is I am going to try to link up briefly with uh, Ryan Morgan from Viare. They've got a new product. If we can't get the audio done this week, we'll run it next week. And then also poor boy Steve, who if you're in the BMX community, more than likely you've heard of him. If not, you're going to enjoy it. Stay on the rise. We'll hit you next week with um, a best of episode with maybe a little bit of new audio. We'll see. Even if it's a best of, please make sure you tune in because, again, we sometimes will put also new audio in there as well. Have a safe weekend. Stay on the rise. And if you're at Camp and Drag, don't party too hard. We out you. Peace. Yo, so as I mentioned just a minute ago, super excited before we get to Sean from Rad BMX Builds. Man, I met Steve a couple years, four years ago, and uh, it's a pleasure to have poor boy Steve on, man. How you doing? I'm good. Thanks for inviting me. Hey, no problem, man. I'm so glad I met you four years ago in June at Hell Track, man. 
in my whole life, I never thought, you know, growing up in the eighties, Steve, that, that I'd ever get a chance to, for a while, I never thought I'd get a chance to own rad on like a DVD, <laughs> but a lot of <laughs> yeah. things have changed the past four or five years. And man, it was cool to go out to that event. Wasn't it? It was amazing. Definitely. Uh, yeah. It was a bucket list. I didn't know I had. <laughs> yeah, I know. And then I met you up there. We were talking to Martin Operito and, and Eddie and some of the guys, and they were doing tricks on the bikes. And and I thought to myself, man, like, even though it was hot as hell, man, like, and I'm from Florida, like, it was so hot. Like, I left there just, like, on cloud nine. Yeah, when they scheduled that in the summer, and there, I used to live, like, 15, 20 minutes from there. And when they said when they were doing it, I was like, oh, man. <laughs> wow. It was, it was hotter than hotter than hell track for sure. <laughs> yeah. I wanted to, like, allow you briefly to just talk about I, – I, my understanding is, like, you've been in the bikes, like, for a long time. Like, you know, we've all kind of – you know, we have that passion and stuff, but, like, you're, like, hardcore. Um, Steve, how did you get connected to bikes? Like, did you get one as a kid and that was the, the kind of the um, – you know, the gateway drug. Yeah, we, uh, I just, I always liked my bike. I liked the freedom of riding. Um, as I got older, I ended up, um, like I wanted a, like a, a bigger bike. My dad bought me, he was like, Oh, you need a bigger bike. And we went down the shop and he ended up getting me like a Schwinn three speed, you know, Wee Hermony kind of bike. And I was like, eh, but I would always like bomb Hills with that. And I remember like tying up, uh, toy pair like making parachutes for the back so i could have like a drag but i just i was always trying to stun it up on this stupid bike and then i was like i think i need a bigger bike you know or i need a different bike and we went to the store and there was a team murray 24 inch cruiser and i was like that's the stuff and then i thought you know oh i got a bmx bike now and um and then we had we just moved and the realtor's son who helped my parents buy their house was raced bmx and and he so he we started talking bikes and i was like yeah i got a bmx and he was like that's not a bmx <laughs> and then we started talking about um that would have been like 82 83 maybe uh-huh. um and then then i was like I, I need one of these and i got a huffy stew thompson i broke it i got another huffy stew thompson on warranty broke it um, my dad finally reluctantly said, okay, let's go look at proper BMX. Uh, went to the bike shop. They had a Diamondbacks. Uh, they had a Diamondback that had come in with like the wrong stickers and a couple misplaced parts. So I ended up getting a really nice Diamondback for a lot lower price. And I was, I was hooked and then raced a little on it, but it was always about jumping. And then that turned into freestyle. And then I was, I just, I was sold, and so I've been doing that, you know, since early '80s. Yeah, dude, it's it definitely is an addiction, and and I remember like in the culture, I talked to with my co-host a couple times about this, but like if you remember, like even like Police Academy Three, I think it was when you know Stacy Peralta directs the the skateboard scene, but then they got the freestyle bikes, and we saw a little mm-hmm. bit of that in the Pee Wee Herman movie, you know, the team that had all mm-hmm. the gear on and stuff. Those are some of the good memories I have because as a kid, before even video game magazines were really out and, and burst on the scene, I was literally reading the magazines and I would read them front to back, front to back, you know, over and over again. Yep. And I would see the ads and I'd see the guys with all the gear. And, you know, my parents, I was lucky to have a bike, you know. I, you know, my parents were going to go spend a lot of money on, like, you know, outfits and suits and all that stuff. 
But I tell you, like, it's etched in my mind. Although maybe I wasn't a team rider or I never rode, like, you know, even in competition. It, like you said earlier, it was something about the freedom of just being on the bike, man. And then when Rad comes out, you know, and me being the age I was, like, man, it was like a perfect storm. Yeah. I For me, it was, you know, my friends were into it. I, I would have loved to be a skateboarder, but I just wasn't coordinated enough. I needed something to hold on to. Yep, yep. <laughs> <laughs> but all my friends, you know, it was skateboards, bikes, um, just that whole scene. And then I had, you know, I was into, like, toys and art and you know like i didn't ever want to grow up out of the kidness of stuff and then all of a sudden i saw with bmx especially with the magazines that's why i'm so passionate about the magazines um is i saw art and culture and music and bmx all 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 these things that i was into were now they were together and they were something you know there was much more of a tremendous respect for artist and art and um the creativity that went into you know the designs of of the bikes and the graphics of the bikes and the skateboards in particular and just that whole everything i was like these are my people yep and so that just kind of created for me a lifelong passion of i mean i love the 80s i love all things 80s i still i'm a big uh big into 80s toys um and and but also like you know that cultural stuff and uh you know, everything from cartoons to, you know, media, print stuff. and But for me, it was it was BMX, and that's what, you know, kind of oh, yeah. fueled my my passions, and that fueled my, you know, eventually it would become my career, and, you know, but it was just, it was just all of that. We're talking with Poor Boy Steve, and it's on Instagram, just how it sounds, Poor Boy, and then S-T-E-E-V, uh, Steve, how did you get, I, I wanted to ask you this, you know, when I met you back at Helltrack, but like, it seems like you've been, you've gone by that name a long time. Is there any story behind that name or is that something that stuck from the BMX world? Uh, that actually, I, around the time I went off to college, I had a design scholarship, went off to do that and, um, ended up, I think I was a semester into school or a year into school and I dropped out. And I was living in my car and living on people's sofas and people just started calling me poor boy. And so that was my nickname. And then I started doing t-shirts. I was doing stuff with music and I was doing some stuff with some bands. And then that, and then I started kind of doing my own little hustle of, you know, some poor boy kind of designs um, that I'd set up at a merch table and try and make some food money for myself. But then I started kind of getting, more you know i was riding a little more i was riding with guys at road and then and then the poor boy kind of went from just like friends in the music scene and friends who knew me to that became poor boy and then i started and then i then my designs kind of shifted into more bmx centric kind of designs and then i was going to more bmx stuff and then uh and then and then i was somewhere between steve and poor boy steve <laughs> and then i think it was it was my friends in bmx you know the, the guy i really remember uh, you know it was like uh the hoffman guys or like you know jay miron some of the old like the mid-school guys i just kind of was like oh that's steve from from poor boy and then that turned into poor boy steve because the name of my company kind of became well it became it was poor boy for lack of, it was just made sense well that's what they call me that's what i'll do so it was poor boy cool and then uh and then over the years it was just i was poor boy steve and then so when i got on Instagram and got on social media and got on people. 
I just was like, well, I'm poor boy Steve. You know, other people had done poor boy this or poor boy that. So I just said, I'm poor boy Steve. And and then people knew who I was. Yeah, they're like, oh, yeah. Um, and then <laughs> so guys from the 90s knew who I was uh, from my business. It was poor boy Steve. And then, and then it kind of turned into guys from like heroes of mine from the 80s or friends I knew who wrote, you know, from the 80s. Then that kind of all of a sudden the, the older school stuff kicked in. And so now I have this, you know, group of people that it's like a mix of 80s and 90s and a little bit of early 2000s right on uh check out poor boy steve as i mentioned on instagram the other thing is you know there's a lot of scams out there but uh, but poor boy steve is actually an artist and if you look at his bio on instagram you'll see that he even does commissions and things like that one of the things that i love that you do is you've got very affordable sticker packs and i bought um, some things from you in the past, you've, you've made custom characters like, you know, folks do, you've done some, many of the rad stuff. Um, I got to pick up the hell track three sticker pack. I mean, you got some cool stuff. I love the blob Ross, you know, <laughs> there's a lot of nods. If you know, many of you guys like rad, or you've come here to maybe listen to Sean from rad BMX builds. Um, you can certainly check out poor boy, Steve. You sure. I'm sure you know of him, but show him some love, like go order some merch. Uh, you got a lot of cool stuff out there. Do you, Thanks. do you, is it hard to wrap your mind around like where we came from and, you know, where I came from, you know, in the eighties, not really having enough money to even buy like, you know, a high end bike, but now you fast forward to like 2022 and I'll talk with Sean a little bit about this, but the prices and how like old school BMX like is back, baby. I mean, it is just crazy. Some guys, midlife crisis, others, hardcore BMXers. <laughs> But did you ever think it would get to where it's at, Steve? If I if I think about it, if I step back and kind of think about it, yeah, it makes perfect sense. Because I mean, I, I said before, I, I love um, toys and action figure, big Star Wars nerd. Um, you know, Star Wars hit me before BMX did, and that always mm -hmm. kind of lingered in the background. Um, so I so I was familiar with collectibles. I was familiar with a collecting market, and I would even say I was a recovering collector. Um, uh, so it makes sense that it happened to BMX. But for me, it was always just BMX. I mean, in the heat of it, I never thought of you know let, that it would be collectible stuff. Let alone like my old stuff, like the poor boy stuff would get crazy, or company bike companies that I was involved with would get get crazy. But yeah, if you just look at it today, it's it's kind of weird. It is definitely a mixed market. It's guys who are reliving their childhood. It's guys that are, like you said, having a midlife crisis. It's guys where, I like to say, some of it is guys that are like it's it's cheap car collecting. Yeah, you know they can't they can't afford a hundred thousand dollar Ford, but they can they'll blow five grand on a on a hutch. Uh, and the, I'm like, okay, whatever, you know, I'm, uh, you know, personally, I love the survivors. I love the stuff with stories. I love the stuff that was, was written way more than, you know, the trailer stuff, but, uh, it, you know, it, it takes everything to, to make it a community. Yep. Um, so I, I'd love to see more things happen where it's the writers, the collectors, the writers that collect the, you know, the team guys, the you know, I'd like to see more where it's a little bit of everybody coming together. You know, right now it's a little bit of it's the writers or it's the show guys or it's the event guys or it's, the, you know, it'd be nice to see some of that pulled together. But 
yeah, when we when the listeners here in a few minutes and when they hear uh, the conversation that I have with Sean from Rad BMX Builds, uh, you know, he's kind of got an idea on something they could do out there. You know, Bob Haro's got something going on. I think it's it just happened or it's getting ready to happen in Southern California. Mm-hmm. But then I know R.L. Osborne, he's been pushing some stuff, a lot of YouTube content. Um, you know, we see Eddie and and uh, Martin, they're continuing to go out there and ride. We had Spring Fling here in Florida, and it's kind of the thing, but they kind of keep it more down low. It's not as advertised as yeah. it was, but – I totally agree, man. I think there's definitely uh, a market to get people together because, I mean, when when I went to Spring Fling a couple years ago, I met um, a couple people that had driven, like, literally, like, five, six, seven states away. Like, I felt like I was at a mini truck oh, yeah. show because I was like, you know, we'll drive 8, 10 hours, 15 hours, no problem. Well, there's guys like, yeah, the last BMX Buckeye bike show yep. in uh, Dayton, Ohio. They, you know, Mike Buff came out, so there was a big ride on Friday night. That was awesome. You know, old school guys came, we rode bikes, the next day there was a show, but there was guys from hours, I mean, guys from California, guys from New York, guys from, it was, it was a definitely an everywhere kind of thing. Yeah, there's an appetite Um, for that. Yeah, so, yeah, it's interesting. On one hand, I hate it because there's parts I need and things I (laughs) want that I, that I'm like, I can't afford that, I'll never have one of those. Uh, you know, and you're like, curse you guy with way too much money. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but then, but then I'm like, Hey, whatever, you know, those, those guys are also asking me to draw stuff and do stuff and they're helping support the sport. And so it, it like I said, it takes everybody, you know, yeah. um, I'm lucky to, I'm lucky to have the bikes that I have and the parts that I have. And I'm, I'm lucky to have the friends that I have and to be as involved as I am across, you know, multiple generations. Oh yeah. So. Yeah, I had met old school BMX Freestyle on Instagram. I had met him at the Spring Fling event and just a real cool guy. He's got a cool page. And it's kind of like that too in the mini trucks. You know, there's some people that will frown upon a guy that will, you know, buy a truck and then he'll refresh some stuff and he'll have good success. And they're like, oh, you know, where have you been? And I kind of look at it and say, man, you know, it takes a community, like you said, of people to keep this thing going. Mm-hmm. And it was interesting. I think people will appreciate kind of what Sean says because Sean has an approach on how he buys his bikes and he puts them together and then he'll put a price. And he he doesn't always even do it for the profit. You know, there's a lot of guys out there. You know, there's some culture vultures, I'm sure, but it blows my mind. Now, and my question that I always ask myself is, will it sustain? You know, I almost think that it will mm-hmm. because you think about like, I remember having one of the cable packages we had. There was a guy that was like the the toy chaser guy he had a tv show right mm-hmm. and you know talking mm-hmm. about toys and 80s and stuff i mean who would have thought like the toy business is huge you know there's conventions oh, everywhere yeah. and, and there's stuff so you know bmx bikes and with all of these old riders having youtube channels slash uh podcasts i think hollywood mike miranda's got one now too uh there he goes out mm-hmm. he goes out again there's hollywood mike Miranda takes a spill but in all seriousness like it's it seems like it's hit a it's hit a um, a level where it's not going anywhere. Yeah, I think just collectibles in general tend to hold their value because they don't get any younger, and they don't they don't there isn't more of them. You know, it, it's weird. Like, you know, there's not people really repopping VHS tapes, or <laughs> but there's people repopping, you know, grips and number plates and parts. So that's that's a whole other conversation. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't see 
prices necessarily dropping. What I do see is people's ability right now. It's just straight up people's ability to get anything. I mean, I know my business has slowed tremendously, not because of a price is too much. It's just people are. I mean, you know, it's tough. Yeah. It's not that it's the the it's not that the mini trucks any less cool. It's that the gas to go in is is more money, ten yeah. times more. So, but I, I so I I don't you know I don't think it's going to go anywhere. I don't think it's going to back off anything. It, it's just maybe not going to have the fire poured. You know, the gas poured on the fire that the last few years have been. But that's been a that's across the board. Yeah. Yeah. No, I hear you on that. I want to just get your opinion. This might be a can of worms, so I don't want to open a can of worms, but you kind of hinted at it a second ago. I asked Sean the same question. Are you, what is your thought, right? It's a can of worms. What is your thought on like these bike companies re-releasing, you know, let's say Mongoose goes, okay, we're going to do the scooter. We're going to do the Stranger Things bike. And then you can obviously insert many other examples there, some that I'm sure, you know, that are getting ready to come out. Do Are you okay with that, or what's your thought on it? What did he say? Well, <laughs> the listeners are going to have to stay tuned for that. Um, he, uh, he, he had a two-prong. Well, he had a two-prong. His, his, mind, his mindset changed a little bit. Like in the beginning, he thought one thing, and then it's since changed. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> I think, for me, I think I would say there's, two sides of it for one is you know if gt wants to do retro like i love i love what haro's done i like what gt is doing i mean i love my favorite bike is my 2016 haro lineage dmc master looks like my old 86 rides like a new bike yes yes um love that they they've they were probably i would say haro was the leader in in doing that and then, you know, GT's jumped on. Now there's a bunch of stuff coming with Redline and all that. I'm totally fine. If GT wants to make GT and do an old version of it, man, do it. It's yours. I think where what chaps me a little sometimes is the guys that are just ripping off the companies to do their own. Like, I think you use the term yes. culture vulture. Those guys that are just going like, well, I make that same thing or nobody ever did so i do that that i'm like ah, it, it just depends i don't you know yeah who is it why is it that's a, that that definitely gets into more of a can of worms for me yeah if it's guys that you know they're they're just collectors and they're just making a buck and they're just you know they're just they're just bleeding the market and filling a niche then you know i've i've never that's i've never been a, a huge fan of that if it's guys that are doing you know art and guys that are putting their spin on things or if there's guys that are paying tribute to things, you know that hey do it have yep. fun that's yeah. what it, that's what it's about but in terms of you know can you buy gt bars that are new that look like old it, it's gt do it that's fine um it gets a little more gray for me when you go hey i'm one of the original guys that i have an old bike and i'm just making the you know you've got the guy who he wants to build his old childhood bike. That's what he can found. That's what he can afford. Man, that's awesome. Do it. Build your bike. I've got a couple, you know, redo parts on a couple bikes of mine. Yep. But it was just helpful and easier to get. Yeah, and source and stuff. Yeah. Here's the thing. You know, we both like rad. But mm -hmm. one of the things I thought was ironic was like, so I I might be against, you know, uh, the, against the grain on some on this. I kind of like that Bill Allen for a while was trying to kind of get – 
his, you know, he had this idea to come out and I was like, okay, cool. You know, cause he, he does very good, um, supporting that character and, and, and kind of supporting the fans. Right. You know, we like that, right. Mm-hmm. The, the rad stuff. So when Bill Allen bikes was kind of coming out, I was like, you know, my interest was peaked. I was like, okay, cool. If someone could do like a 24, 26, 29 in that newer, like crew Jones type deal. Like I'm like, man, this, this might be kind of cool. Right. So mm-hmm. when GT, they come out with a throwback, um, celebrating, I guess the 35th anniversary of rad, um, I look, I look at the bike and go, you know, if it was free, I would, you know, I'd like to have one. You know, it's cool, right? I didn't get one. <laughs> but but I looked at it and said, you know, they, they have some nods. You know, the seat, they've got, you know, the rad font right there on the main, you know, bike. They have crew on it. But then I look at other things and go, you know, it's got the black tires. It would have been cool to do this. It's red. It's on a chrome frame. And, again, I know I'm yeah. nitpicking, and I don't like to, like, you know um, – you know, I'm not downing the product. I think it's great, but sometimes I wonder if if the right people are making the decisions because I think if if they just change things a little bit, they would make even more money. You know, these big companies. So yeah, well, some of that is in manufacturing. Some of that is, you know, it was a mongoose in the movie, and it wasn't a mongoose. So do we make it look like a mongoose? Right, right, right. Or is it, or is it just our version of a rad bike? So. Yeah, you know, it, you know, there's a lot of people that they, they wish it had been mongoose. They wish it had been vans instead of etnies. They wish it had been, you know, I, I don't, you know, in terms of from where rats coming from, they just want to get their stuff out there and make the money off of it. And where the companies are coming from, they want to make some money off of it and they love it and they want to support it. You know, is it is it perfect? No, I, I don't I don't know. Just yep. don't buy it. <laughs> yeah, and I have seen guys at shows on, you know, I have I have a 29-inch bike, and I do really like riding it. And I've seen guys with, like, the, I do like when GT comes out with some of those epic, iconic colors, you know, a lot of that stuff that's etched yeah. in our minds. And and to your point earlier, like, you know, to be able to go, hey, I'm going to ride a 24, 26, and it's, like, just like what my bike was. Like, I get that same feeling, you know. Now, maybe I'm not going mm-hmm. over dirt jumps and stuff nowadays, but – um I do think it's cool that bike stuff has gotten to the level that it has, you know, that there's plenty out there for everyone. I mean, people are plucking NOS parts like no tomorrow, although expensive, but then you could also go to your local bike shop and get something that kind of reminds you of the old days. It just almost seems like there's something for everyone. Last comment I got on that was I did go all in on the Mongoose and I bought the scooter. I kind of felt like I had to, Mm -hmm. I didn't get the stranger things bike, but I kind of thought like, I want to get it. Like, I think they did it right. Now, what was ironic, though, this isn't a slight against those guys, but if you look at, like, the little scooter that's, like, in Walmart, right, that's, like, a pink Mm -hmm. scooter, it's the same exact scooter that they re-released recently. It's just a different Mm -hmm. color. It's, like, literally a couple of little pieces of hardware and stuff like that. But it's crazy how those colors could just, like, go boom, like, oh, my God, I got to buy it. You know, I, I got to have this, yeah. you know, and then you go go on, you know, Facebook marketplace and go, oh, here's a $50 pink one that like some girl rode three <laughs> times. I could have had the same thing. But I, again, it's just, it's crazy how things are nowadays. So. Yeah. I think you just saw, you know, you see people grow up and they can relive their childhood. And, you know, I've got a neighbor down the street who loves looking at my Haro and he wants a Haro and he's going to go get a, you know, 26 or 29 and. Just he wants to pedal around the neighborhood on a bike that looks kind of like what he used to ride. Yep. Um, and then there's some of the guys who, you know, I I would hope 
I I kind of stepped away for five years, and then when I came back to riding. I came back on, got on a mountain bike, and that turned into a cruiser, and then that turned into a twenty-two, and then that turned into a twenty. So I would say for some guys, it's totally possible if you want to get back into BMX to get back into BMX and to get down to BMX size and to be able to mess around with some tricks and to be able to get that balance back and to be able to have some fun. And at the same time, it, you know, jump on a bigger one and go ride with your family. So it is, it is nice that there's a little, uh, uh, an array of offering right now. And so, you yep. know, I just encourage you to go pedal, you know, get whatever you're going to get, but just go pedal. And don't be a butthead. Yeah, man. <laughs> exactly. Blob Ross or whatever. Um, definitely check out Poor Boy, just how it sounds all together, and then Steve, S-T-E-E-V. It ends there. Um, if you uh, tap on Steve's bio, uh, you can click the link tree link, right? And you're going to see uh, yeah. he's got a lot of cool stuff, right? So You can go, and it's the same for my website, it's just poorboysteve.com. Yeah, poorboysteve.com. So poor poorboysteve poor will get you Facebook, Instagram, um, my website. You know, check it out. Yeah. Uh, follow, like, subscribe, whatever the guys say. And I don't know. I just It's fun having friends that ride. I love hearing everybody's comments. I love being inspired by everybody who's riding and building and collecting and just, just making it a positive thing. And I love guys like you that are, are so good at bridging the cultures of like, you know, trucks and eighties and bikes and, you know, the guys that are doing skateboarding in eighties and the guys that are doing toys in eighties and bike, you know, I just, I love that. It's such a, a big, broad, vast community that I get to be a part of. And so yeah, thanks, thanks. Thanks for letting me be a part of it. No doubt. You're a good dude, man. Thanks for the good word. Um, on Steve's website, you'll see a lot of nods to, like Blob Ross was a nod and rad, and and uh, you'll see other stuff like the Hell Track Event shirt. Uh, a lot of cool designs. I love the sticker packs though, because I mean you get so much for your money, um, and there's a lot of cool little ones. You stick them on your you know your shop refrigerator toolbox, you name it. But dude, Steve, uh, I know we don't get a chance to link up a lot. I know sometimes it's through a message. I bought a couple action figure custom ones you've done. I got some new ones coming. Keep your eyes out. Yeah, yeah. Turn on those post notifications because <laughs> I'll try to get to them. You know, I want to give a, ha a huge shout out. I know he's a listener too, um, and I don't. I'm guessing he's bought some of your stuff, but eight, um, the '80s Garage. You know, he's yeah he's big curator. He's to yeah, follow. yeah, big curator of of '80s and uh, of rad stuff. Probably mm -hmm. the raddest rad collection in the world, uh, arguably. Um, but. You know, Steve, like I said, I wanted to reciprocate and say, hey, thanks for the good word. But, you know, you're a good dude. Um, I know you're super passionate. And, uh, you know, you keep the pedal stomped. And it seems like you're always out there having fun. You're kind of living uh, your childhood every day. And, you know, thanks for what you do for the rad community, but also just in general for the bike Thank stuff. You. you know, you keep the stuff going. And go, if nothing else, guys, it's free. Go give poor boy Steve a follow. Uh, Steve, stay on the rise, as we always say, and uh, let's link up soon again, brother. Yeah, I'd love it. That'd be fun. Thanks. All right, everyone. So as we go into the next interview, I want to remind everyone, Scraping the Coast every June, and then, of course, their next event, Custom Car Show Productions, is the weekend before Thanksgiving, Slidell, Louisiana. Stay on the rise, everyone. Enjoy this audio. We're going to roll in with Sean from Rad BMX Builds, and we're going to run the Vi Air audio next week. Thanks again, Steve. Thank you.
Hey, as I mentioned, I'm super excited to sit down with Sean from Rad BMX, and we're going to talk about a lot of different stuff. Um, I, we'll get into the brand, but Sean, I just wanted to kind of welcome you uh, to the podcast. How you doing? Hey, I'm doing really good. Thanks for the opportunity. I really appreciate that. I'm really excited about this. Yeah, man, absolutely. I've been following your page a while, and we'll definitely hit on it. Why don't you give the back a uh, little bit of background about yourself? I know we're probably from maybe the same era. We like the same kind of stuff, but like, where'd you grow up? You know, a um, little bit about yourself. Totally. Uh, I was. I'm 50 years old. I was born in Upland, California, but I grew up mostly in Orange County in Fullerton, and then. Uh, Right around the late 80s, my parents migrated out to Moreno Valley, California, because it was growing and they wanted to buy a new house. So they pulled me out of the middle of 10th grade, which is the worst time to pull a kid out of school, oh, wow. and uh, relocated me out to Moreno Valley. And so I had to finish high school out there, make new friends, which wasn't terrible because everyone out there was new because it was all new housing developments. But at the time, all I had was a BMX bike, and I turned 17, and I got my first car, which was a 81 Plymouth Arrow pickup truck. Oh, wow. Which is basically a Dodge D50 with different decals. Yeah. And uh, That's sick. <laughs> I was so excited because a guy at my school had a gloss black one with cookie-cutter wheels on it. It was lowered. Yeah. And I was like, I'm going to do that to my truck. It's right when mini trucks started getting pretty popular, you know, in the late 80s. Yep, yep. So I was super hyped to get that truck. And two months later, I got a knock at the door at like 7 a.m. A little 10-year-old kid on a dirt bike had my wallet in his hand. He goes, this yours? I said, yeah, it was under the seat in my truck. Found your truck up in the hills. It's stripped. And oh, it got stolen that night, man. I guess. So, yeah, that uh, really pissed me off. My truck was gone. So uh, at that point, my parents aren't going to give me another one. Yep, yep. So, uh, you know, I said forget it, and I ended up graduating high school uh, by riding a moped around for transportation. And then <laughs> wow. Ended up, yeah, and then joined the military at uh, basically 18 and a half years old, I think I was, when I in 1990. And then um, from there, I, I took off into the military. Yeah, how ironic, because when we had Brian McCormick on, you know, from, from trucking, mini trucking, and all these different brands, he he was just getting out of the service kind of like maybe a couple years before that, and that's when he started landing at trucking. So it is kind of crazy how all of that goes. Now, Moreno Valley is kind of mm -hmm. east of Riverside, right? Kind of the greater – would that be considered the exactly. greater Los Angeles area? Yeah, well, yes. Well, yeah. Um, it goes like Los Angeles County, Riverside County, and Moreno Valley is within Riverside County. The farther you go east, yep, yep. And uh, so it is basically Riverside. It's just a a town right off to the east of the city of Riverside, and it was a growing town then, but now it's pretty large. And um, we talked about Rezo a little bit off the air, and yep. Rezo was held out there at Lake Paris, which yes. is. Marina Valley is literally right there, just north of Lake Paris, and that's where I lived. Man, dude, yeah, you were in the Mecca. It's funny because growing up a lot, I would hear the term or we'd see it in the magazines like Bakersfield, and I always kind of thought of that as kind of the heart of mini yeah. trucking. But there's so many offshoots and areas out there. And, you know, now my buddy Jeff, he's like in Riverside, and, you know, he's with the Devious mm -hmm. Customs and all that stuff. <laughs> Jeff. Yeah. I've known Jeff since he was in 10th grade. Dude, isn't that ironic, man? That's freaking awesome. <laughs> Jeff Jeff moved in with me when he moved to California. He moved in with oh, me. Oh, really? Wow, man. Yeah, yeah he I, told I me I can the, tell you all about Jeff. <laughs> yeah, he told me the story when he moved from, God, it was it Montana or somewhere up there? South Dakota. South Dakota. South Dakota. He's going to kill me. He's going to be like, wait, wait, you, did, yeah. you don't remember. But, <laughs> but dude, no, that, I know, and he's – 
you know, think about he he built his brand 20 years ago officially, but I mean, he's been doing the mini yep. truck stuff forever. Uh, yeah, when when we get into it, I'll tell you all about how that started. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah, absolutely. I wanted to kind of pick your brain at this because, you know, being a fan of like ET and obviously the bikes and all that stuff, um, you know, I follow a lot of California stuff and there's a guy, um, 80s Life, you know, we had him on, Kurt Crucial. He does a lot of movie site locations and stuff. But when mm-hmm. growing up in the area that you did, like, I guess it probably was just like normal life. But like now when you've gotten older, do you ever think like, man, like the movies were filmed like down the road from us, you know? So, yeah, when I went off to the military, I was kind of detached from California the rest of my adulthood until recently when I moved back. And now I live in Newport Beach. Uh, I am going down memory lane since I've been back here because now I realize when I grew up, like you talked about, it didn't mean much to me then. Now the nostalgic part of it, I drive around and go, that was filmed there. Or I I meet up with with Martin and we talk about the movie Rad or Eddie Fiola and we talk about the movie Rad and – and where did you film that scene at the beach? And that was filmed right there and so on and so forth. And it all starts to come alive. That's and it's cool. pretty wild. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's crazy because I do want to talk – we'll get to talking about Eddie and, and Martin and those guys. Uh, man, we got so much awesome stuff to talk about. But the the era that, that you grew up in, you know, kind of what you're explaining, you know, going away into the military and thank you for your service, you know, in, in circa 1990, did you – you know, you mentioned the bikes. Like, do you remember – like for me, when I was younger, I didn't have the nicest bike. I had a couple hand me downs, and I did make it to a mongoose, which is why I love mongoose nice. so much. But do you recall like kids having like the super expensive bikes, maybe that even that you couldn't record and that or uh, afford, and that's like etched in your mind? Hundred percent. So I started off on a Schwinn Stingray that we converted into a BMX bike because uh, that's all we had is like Schwinn Stingrays with banana seats when BMX wasn't even really called BMX yet. And you wanted your bicycles to almost mimic dirt bikes back then. We're talking like late 70s um, and starts to evolve into the 80s. And then I remember seeing my first actual BMX bike, and it was a 79 Mongoose. Mm. And I was like, what is that? But it was heavy, like heavier than my Schwinn. It was a tank. But it looked so rad. It had blue tires, blue seat. And I still remember that bike to this day. And then I ran across a kid that had a red line. And I was like, what is that? And now I'm starting to realize my bike's junk. And these other kids that have parents that are willing to spend the money are buying super rad bikes. Now I start going to bike shops. And I start to see these other bikes. And I start really wanting a legitimate BMX bike. So it took quite a while. And I think uh, my dad ended up getting me a red line for my first legitimate BMX bike. And it got stolen right in front of an arcade, like most kids had their bikes stolen. Yeah. And I was just crushed. I remember walking home crying like that was my first real cool bike. And I know I'm not going to get another one. It's just they're not going to buy me a second one because I'm so stupid. I, unlo- I didn't lock it up. Yep. And, uh, and it, I didn't get one. I had to buy my next bike. And I saved up and got a S&E Racing PK Ripper in baby oh, blue. Wow. And to me, that bike was really the one that is my most nostalgic. Uh, that's my, my grail bike to me. Yep, yep. And I had that bike. I ended up racing that bike. Um, I ended up cracking that bike and found, because they're aluminum, I had to find someone that could weld it. Yep, yep. And they welded it, and I still rode it with a big, ugly weld on it. And <laughs> I, I have photos of me uh, on my Instagram page riding that bike from back late 80s. And when I joined the military, I sold it for like a hundred bucks. I'm such an idiot, but I sold it 
Yep. And then, um, but today in my collection, I have a 1983 PK Ripper that is, it was a new old stock frame fork set that I wow. found, which is unheard of. And I built it and it's so beautiful and so perfect. And I know now being older, heavier, and I know now the bike is an 83 and it's 2022. I'm not going to ride that bike. I don't right. want it to break. <laughs> right, if, right. Yeah. If I broke one back then, you know, weighing almost nothing, I'm going to break it immediately now. So yeah, yeah. I built it just to add to my collection and that is my grail bike and I have it today. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Sure. And what blows my mind and I got to, you know, be in the church so, so much into the stuff. And by the way, you can follow Sean. It's Rad BMX Builds, which we'll talk more about on Instagram when I look back at the um, on vintagebongoose.com, you know, you can go look at the old catalogs and stuff. And, mm-hmm. and in the, you know, I was born in 78. So, like, in the early 80s, even before Rad, I remember going to a bike shop and seeing the Mongoose. And, and they had, like, the duffel bags. And they had, you know, that little logo kind of stuck out at me. Does it ever blow your mind on how f- how much the nostalgia has come back and the prices and stuff are on all this? Um, yeah. So for me, I couldn't, I would, I remember walking into bike shops and seeing glass countertop cabinets full of anodized BMX race yes, parts and things yep. like that. You can, I can even smell the 87 dyno comp all black one on top of the rack. When I walked <laughs> into a bike shop one day, like these things that stick with you are mind blowing to yep, me. Yep. And I still remember those, like I, it happened yesterday. Yep. And I remember that bike being like $299 and thinking, I can never afford that. Yeah. Like back then, that was a ton of money. Yep. And if you find an 87 Dyno Pro Comp right now, it's $3,000. Like yep. what? It's absolutely insane. Yeah. So yeah, these these bikes have gone up and sadly, platforms like eBay have made people put them on there at astronomical prices and they'll sit there and honestly, you shouldn't be getting that much for them, but people we'll have that nostalgic connection to it. And we have jobs now, most of us, and we have a savings account, some of us. And now they'll buy at a ridiculous price that piece of childhood memory and put it in a collection. Yeah, and it's hard for stuff like my buddy Tony has got a bunch of bikes. You know, you've got a bunch. I've got a handful, uh, the ones I always kind of wanted, but I got in before the craziness. But see, it's tough because we're all kind of fiends when it comes to these bikes. And you'll come across the guy that may be, you know, has a good paying job and he's got a Ferrari or he's got a, you know, nice high end daily driver or whatever, not, not probably a Ferrari, but something, but then they'll just go, you know, yeah, I always wanted to have an 86 and they don't mind, I guess, paying five and six and 10 grand for some of these bikes. It's mind blowing to me. (laughs) Yeah. I've seen a BMX bike go for $40,000. That person, I'm not going to tell you who it was, but, but as a legitimate source, that person sold a bike for $40,000 and it was a one-of-one one collector bike, and the guy that bought it also bought another super iconic BMX bike and paid pretty close. It's just it's a guy that did very well in the tech industry, is out there buying these super high-end collectible one-of-one one kind of competition bikes. So, yeah, they go from anywhere from almost nothing up to $40,000. That's the highest price I've ever heard of a transaction occurring, but... You know, I've seen fully, you know, original 87 Pro Freestyle Tours go for 10000 5000 It all depends on condition and parts, you yep. know. Yeah, you... The I prices know, are nuts. Exactly. And I know you saw the one on eBay, and it, it was sold, and then it, it it resurfaced on eBay not even too long ago. But it was like the 87 pinkish um, GT, and it was in the box still. 
and it was crazy. I guess it was like a Christmas gift that was just never opened. I was like, what the hell? <laughs> I'm like, how, how, <laughs> how? They are crazy enough. They're still out there. Like bike shops close down and put bikes in storage units. And yeah. then those storage units turn over to another family member. And then they end up, it, it's the craziest things that are still out there. And I hear all these stories. Like I found this bike at a thrift shop. I found this bike at a yard sale. The, those things never happen to me. Yeah, me How these people find these things, I don't get it because I'm out there. I'm very well connected with a lot of bike people, and, and people approach my page all the time trying to sell me bikes, but it's never anything like that. Yeah. It's usually junk. <laughs> yeah, it is. I need some of that luck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, old school BMX freestyle on Instagram. I met him, and you know, he'll mm-hmm. – um, you know, he was posting for a while, and I was like, "Damn it, I'm gonna have to mute his account." Joking with myself, but you know, he's like, "Yep, found, pulled this one out of the dumpster," and I'm like, "Dude, this has got to be stayed, man. There's no way." Yeah, unheard of. I don't yep. get it. Yeah, I'm thinking some of those are staged for content purposes. <laughs> but I mean, I could be honest with you and your listeners. Like all my bikes, I have to buy them. I pay for them. I build them, and then I sometimes will sell them. I don't sell everything that I build for yep. sure. I'm. Yep. Like I am a builder collector, not a bike shop. So I build bikes for me for content. And if I love the bike, I keep it. I keep it in my own personal collection. But if I have a bike that I don't want to keep and I've used it enough for content where I'm done with it, I'll sell it to keep this movement moving forward, basically to fund the next build. Sure. So I don't, I'm not trying to pull the last penny out of someone's pocket. I don't sell my bikes for ridiculous prices. And there are some people like that, but I think, you know, as a business model, that's not a great approach because I want people to come back and buy a second bike or a third bike from me. And I've, I have customers that have done that several times, four bikes now for one guy. And it's because it's fair, you know, I'm not trying to rip you off, but at the same time, I'm not doing this to put the roof over my head. I'm retired from the military. That's a paycheck for me. I just need to make enough money to keep my business going forward. Yeah, exactly. So I don't need to, I don't need to make $2,000 on a bike. And I'm not even really charging for my time when I build the bikes, which isn't the greatest, smartest business move. But <laughs> right, right. I know what it I know what it took me financially to buy the bike, buy the parts, and so on and so forth. And then I will sell it with minimal profit. Yep. And when I sell my bikes, I don't I don't do the negotiation thing now. That's there's so much back and forth with that, and and I interact with so many people daily. I just I wouldn't be able to keep it straight. So I, I only. I only sell them through my website at radbmxbuilds.com. It's the only way I sell them. Just like any other online thing that you would go buy, there's no haggle. You just go in there, you either buy it or you don't. If you don't want it, don't buy it and move on. Someone will buy it and they usually sell. So, I mean, you can be rest assured by doing that too. It's all very secure and you're not getting any shady, scammy people. Like it's a legitimate website. This is a legitimate business with an LLC. This is a legitimate safe place for you to go buy a bike if you want it. Yeah, exactly. Well, talking with you, Sean, it reminded me a few years back, my buddy Tony and I, he, he has a trailer, kind of a rear trailer hitch option on the 65 Lincoln. We had a couple of our bikes on the back, and we go up to this local little hangout. Dude, it was it was cool, man. And this guy comes by, and he goes, oh, man, you, you like freestyle bikes? And Tony had his Haro there, and he goes, yeah, yeah. And the guy's like, yeah, I got a bunch of bikes, and I got a few things for sale. But he, he didn't really sell stuff a lot, but he had, like, his side like little storage unit that he's got some stuff for stuff for sale. So anyways, he goes, we'll meet me over there later. So we go over there and, and he opens it up and I was like, man, there's not, yeah, okay. And then you look and you go, okay, yeah, there's some stuff. And Tony ends up buying a bunch and I only bought one thing. Well, so this guy is like telling us about all these bikes and bikes and I'm going, dude, like if I believe everything he's saying, I'm going, dude, I said, what, <laughs> what would you value your collection? Like 
like a hundred grand, dude. Like, I mean, you're talking about. <laughs> he goes, I'd value my collection right now at five hundred grand, and I said, hold on. Oh man, come on. So this guy apparently <laughs> was going to like Indianapolis, some big bike show up there, and he supposedly bought like a bike from either Martin or Eddie, and he was talking about you know. And I go, well, what kind of business are you in? He goes, well, I do remodels of bathrooms. I'm in construction and stuff. I go, okay. But here was the crazy thing, and I never got a chance to go to his place yet. He claims that he doesn't have the room for all these bikes. So what he does is after he puts them together, he takes them apart, and he puts them back in boxes, and he just labels them. And I was like, dude, I could never do that, man. Because I like no, me, like, like you, like you kind of want to have them displayed. You want to see them. Yeah, that's an accomplishment. You <laughs> right. just want you want to enjoy the fruits of your labor. You're not gonna, but that that seems very odd. That's an yeah. odd story. Yeah, yeah, it was, and and I go, uh, okay, but you know, the cool thing is with the BMX stuff. Like we've we've all met like people across the world, and you know, online, and I just never thought like you know. You think back to the old days and, you know, people go, oh, well, one day this is going to be like nostalgic. And, you know, as you know, the 80s and 90s are very nostalgic. So it's almost like people have kind of gotten to a certain age where maybe they have a little bit more disposable income and they do want to relive and tap into their childhood a little bit. Yeah, you know, it's, it's ironic you bring that up because when I separated from the military, I started watching all these how to adjust and, and how to move forward with your life after a whole career kind of thing, trying to figure out where I wanted to go and how I wanted to do things. And I came across this one article that said that they found that a lot of people after serving a real long time in the military, when they get out, will revert back to a time prior to when they came in. Ah. And I was like, cool. So now I'm 50 years old, living 17 year old me. That's why I'm so into the BMX bikes now. Right. (laughs) Right. Right. So now, now I'm mentally 17 with, with some money in the bank. I can do what I want. So I, what do I do? I buy a bunch of BMX bikes and skateboards, <laughs> and now I'm living at the beach and going surfing. Like I am 17-year-old me with, with a better budget, basically. Yeah. yeah, it's not a bad thing. I want to talk more about the bike stuff. I do want to tap in, though, briefly to you – know, you, you talked a little bit about the arrow. Um, when you grew up in that era of when you kind of described – did, how did you get involved in – because my understanding is you did go to some mini truck shows as well. How did you get sucked totally. into that? Did you see like a truck cruising and you started hanging out with guys or what happened? Man, I got to tell you, I was hooked the second I saw my first mini truck. It ah. didn't take anything to push me over that, that edge. <laughs> and as soon as I saw one, it was the coolest thing I've ever seen. I remember it vividly. It was a black Dodge D50 that I mentioned earlier on cookie cutters playing too short in my high school parking lot. And that thing hit so hard, that base instantly almost broke my neck. I turned around (laughs) and went, what was that? And saw the perfect version of what I wanted my truck to look like. And I I didn't run, I sprinted toward that truck and introduced myself to that guy. And he ended up living like three blocks from me. Uh We became friends, I went over there all the the time and just, I mean, just the smell of the mini truck, you know, the tweed interior and the air freshener hanging and the wink mirror. And I mean, I was obsessed. Yep. And then, um, so I, every time I found out, so that if you ever remember, a, I don't know if you remember it or not, I was in some of the mini truck magazines. There was a place called Happy's and they sold mini truck stuff. And it was in Marina Valley at the time. And I would go over there, even though I didn't have a mini truck because it got ripped off. Uh-huh. And I would look at the double windshield wipers with the little fins on them. And I would look at the antenna with the little lightning bolt squiggle in it and i was just like oh it's like the limousine antenna with the little curls and then it had the little bend in it and just all those neon colors and i was like when i get my next mini truck like what i'm doing is building 
an inventory list in my head of what I'm going to do once <laughs> I get my next truck. And so, yeah, I started going to a couple shows. I went to Rezzo. I went to, I used to, I have family out in the Colorado River, Lake Havasu area. So when it was held at La Paz, um, fairgrounds up there on, on the Colorado River, I would, my grandparents' place was literally half a mile from that show. Wow. So I'd go to my grandparents' place and then go to the show literally all day long. Not a mini truck owner at the time, but I would go to the show and just freak out. I have so many photos wow. that, that you have to go get developed, right? And yep. now they're sitting in a shoebox somewhere. I'm talking thousands of photos of trucks and stuff from that era that I need to probably find and pull out. Yeah, I'll have but, to scan um, them. <laughs> yeah. yeah <laughs> there's some great ones, too. I mean, I'm not a photographer by any means, but I walk around with that camera like a madman. Click, click, click. Yep. Yeah. I probably should have been a freelancer for mini trucking at that point. <laughs> yeah, really? That's So cool. as soon as I had the opportunity to buy a car again, it was immediately, I already knew it was going to be a mini truck. And I knew it was going to be a slammed mini truck before I even knew what truck I was going to buy. So it was, I was hooked. Yeah, and the arrow that was was that the, that I'm guessing that was a regular cab truck, right? You had, yeah. So here's the here's the lame part. It was a regular cab long bed. Ah, okay. And I hated that it was a long bed, but it's like your dad bought it for you. Here's a truck, and I yeah. was like, oh, and it was an automatic too. So I mean, it didn't have it wasn't optioned perfectly, but I didn't care. You yeah, know, I was sure. 17 at the time, ready to just go crazy. So the first thing I bought was a wink mirror. And I bought the tailgate net and ditched the tailgate, which I thought was cool at the time. Now it's stupid. Should have shaved the tailgate, right? <laughs> but um, so I threw the tailgate in the garage and then put a little net in the back and just started doing little things to try to customize things. Pulled some dash pieces off and painted them. Everything a kid with absolutely no money would do to a truck, yeah. I did to that truck. Yeah. yeah. And that's how it's funny because we recently had Alan Paradise on by the time this one airs. And, you know, we talked a lot about how the the mini truck you know w was affordable for a parent to maybe either hand down or buy even new for parents that could afford it but you know how you know to your point it was like it was easy you you get some rattle can you get some uh flex stone <laughs> and, and you do your yes. thing and, and you have a good time man God, the flex stone was so good yeah yeah it was yep. good times so Fast forward, you know, you, you're kind of in that same era. So how do you end up meeting Jeff Davey? I mean, that's crazy. Okay, so I joined the military, and my first assignment was Ellsworth Air Force Base outside of Rapid City, South Dakota. Okay. And I get I get there without a vehicle. Uh, I spend a whole winter there. I got there like January, like right very beginning of January in the worst blizzard you can imagine. So you basically have to sit it out and wait for it to thaw. And then my roommate had a brand new 91 GMC Sonoma. He goes, hey, I'm going to take leave, go on vacation, go back home to Florida. You can drive my truck. That's why I'm gone. I was like, sweet. So I drove his truck and I went, ah, this truck's perfect. Five speed, four cylinder, short cab, short bed. Mm -hmm. a just epic truck, very affordable. And I thought this is the truck I want. So I drove his brand new truck over to the GMC dealer where he bought it. And they had a white one on the lot, but it had blue interior. But I was like, well, that's okay. I'll live with it. Mm -hmm. And I bought it right there. And so they helped me bring his truck back to the base. And so when I went to pick him up from the airport, I picked him up in my truck. And I was like, thanks for letting me drive your truck, man. I really appreciate it. But I hated the color, so I painted it. It was literally <laughs> identical to his truck. And he's like, you're messing with me, right? And I went over there, and I opened the door, and he's like, oh, my God, you did not. And I said, yep. <laughs> You, could, you couldn't tell the difference other than the color of this truck. Right, right. 
until he got in it, they went, wait a minute. This has blue interior. I think his had like a burgundy interior or something. He's like, what the heck? I said, I had to buy one. Your truck was so perfect. I had to buy one. He's like, you know how dumb this is? We're roommates. Now we have identical trucks. People are going to talk. You know, I was like, I don't care. Yeah, yeah. So, so then I start cruising around downtown and Mount Rushmore Road in the middle of Rapid City was a big cruise street for locals back then. Okay. And I said, I'm going to go cruise my truck. What the heck? Who cares? So I got a stereo system installed. I bought some rims and I start cruising up and down the street. And there's this stupid high school kid in like a 63 short bed and it's just slammed to the ground. I went, I need to be friends with that guy. <laughs> and Jeff, Jeff Davey at the time was probably in the 11th grade, I think, going to Stevens High School. And we started hanging out, and then we had other friends hanging out, and then we all kind of created our own little club, and we all started working on each other's trucks. Corey Dunlap, um, Jeff Davey, John Leffler, like a whole bunch of us, and wow. just started hanging out on the weekends, drinking beer, and uh, sometimes I had to buy the beer because they weren't all of age. <laughs> Jeff Davey's parents uh, had a place up on Highway 44, and it had like a little market and a little gas pump situation in a hotel. And it, we'd go up there and get gas and steal the beer and just go have a good time on the weekends, like mini truckers. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it, one, it's hard to get parts up there. There were no local places that sold any cool parts. Everything was at, bought out of a magazine. There weren't a lot of fabricators around. You can hack an exhaust off or shorten a shifter or whatever, kind of stuff like that. But yep, yep. there was no shaving tailgates or anything, really. That wasn't very easily accessible there at that time. So what we did is... We had a, a friend, Marshall, and Marshall, if you ever listen to this, I'm so sorry, but Marshall's <laughs> a bigger guy, and we put Marshall like standing on the back bumper of the truck, and we'd heat the leaf springs, you know, and try to get that thing to sink until it's basically flat. Oh yeah. And then everyone stand on the front bumper, and then we we cut the coils as much as you could. Then you heat those up till there's literally no suspension, and then I would drive my uh, GMC Sonoma around with basically no suspension in the middle of South Dakota, and it was like sliding a brick down the concrete. And uh, that was my my daily. <laughs> wow, that is a yep. small world, man, and and it all just stems back to trucks, man. I mean, that's insanity. It's it's a lifestyle for sure. It's not just that; it's family, you know. And I'm still friends. All those guys I just named, I'm still friends with today. Yep. I can't say that for a lot of military friends I have, but those guys in that mini truck scene back then are like your core nucleus of friends, and that's they're still. I can call them up any time of day, any day. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, Alan Paradise talked a little bit about because you know he's into writing for movies and TV shows, and he said how we talked about Lord uh, Lords of Dogtown, and it, he kind of yeah. talked a little bit about like he's like really he, he I don't know I mean I'm guessing it's never going to happen I don't mean from his standpoint but he kind of talked about trying to do a documentary kind of like what our friend Radar did for, with um, the West Coast Influence, but do something where it could go to a film festival and things like that about mini trucks. And it's crazy if you think about, like, those relationships you had. But, you know, Jeff has built his empire at Devious Customs and Mike Finnegan's went on and, you know, even Ryan Fringlinghouse for West Coast Customs. These guys have went on and built these major businesses. And um, it would be interesting to see if someone, you know, could take – and, and, and leverage and springboard off of even what Radar did and, and have something go to the even a higher level because it's like mini truckers, it wasn't just that fad. You know, there's so many relationships, like you said, that are still thriving because of, you know, those yep. 80s and 90s era. Absolutely. And it's it's such a large family too. Like 
there was East Coast, there was West Coast, there was the Midwest. There was there's many truckers from coast to coast here, yep. and it's now it's not even here. It's completely global. When people started selling all their mini trucks, and those <laughs> rad trucks started going to Japan, now it's Japan, and now it's yep. you know Australia has its own movement of mini trucks, and it is just absolutely crazy how many are out there. Now I live in Southern California. I am constantly staring out the window waiting to see an old school mini truck go by. Like, where are they all? They're hidden in people's garages right now. And you don't, they're not daily driven like they used to be for yeah. sure. Now they come out for shows and then they sit under a tarp in a garage. But I mean, I remember growing up around here, just seeing them constantly go down the streets. And, and in the nineties, um, we'll, we'll, we'll get into the details later, but I lived back in here for a little while in the nineties uh -huh. and I would see like local finesse meet up here in orange oh, County. Yeah. And, and I would drive through the parking lot looking at the trucks. And they even had a uh, Volkswagen Scirocco. It was red with two rear axles on it. Damn. And I was like, who fabricated that? Like, <laughs> why? It's like, why? One, but two, that's rad. You know, that's oh, why yeah. you did it because it's different and it's rad. So just to see a, a tandem axle Volkswagen Scirocco blew my mind. Dude, you know, that's yeah. Unheard of. But yeah, that was a good time. Our friend Paul Morton had shared a story, and it was this guy Rick McCloskey, and apparently, you know, he's a photographer, and he put out or is getting ready to put out a book that's called like Summer of '72, and it was it's going to like document um, the cruising on Van Nuys, and you know, just it was a lot of young people and Datsun pickups, and you know, all of that, and it's crazy the car culture. Uh, I mean, car truck, whatever that you know, it, the automotive culture that's in Southern California. Um, it, it's just mind blowing. Now, before we talk more about bikes, being that you know you kind of talk about you know your age now and and the bike stuff and all of that striving, could you ever see yourself, Sean, like getting a mini truck, or do you just keep the focus and you go, <laughs> man, listen, I got enough going on. <laughs> I do have a lot going on, but I'm not going to lie. I would really like to have a, a square body S10 with a two two awesome BMX bikes in the bed. Oh, that's kind of kind of goals for me and yeah buddy <laughs> so cory dunlop already beat me to it he just built a in remembrance of his, his son that passed away built a convertible square body s10 ground effects he bought one of my bikes and put it in the bed of it and it's absolutely phenomenal and now he just picked up an old square body s10 blazer target top ground effects I'm, he's just living my dream life right now so uh, i've talked to all these guys jeff davey and all of them i said what we ought to do is a reunion and all of us show up with an old school mini truck to Rapid City, South Dakota and cruise Mount Rushmore Road one more time. Like just find a truck and I don't care what it looks like, how budget it is or over the top it is. Just show up and we cruise again. And that's still kind of something I want to do. So, yeah, I can see myself getting another mini truck. My wife, not so much. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I got to figure out a way to buy it through the business to promote my business and use it as a tax write-off. That might be the only way I can get it under. Yeah, I like that. Get, get her on board. <laughs> Put Rad BMX builds on the side or something. I don't care. <laughs> hey, man, I love it. Well, whatever, whatever it takes. <laughs> yeah, four years ago when I went to the Hell Track event, I met a guy that's in Cali. You, you may have came across him at some point, but he's a firefighter. And he has um, – I think he changed the name of it, but basically he had built the replica Christian, Christian Hollings – blazer uh, from rad yeah. yeah yeah so you yep. know him and uh, you know know of his stuff he's got well, a vet too <laughs> yeah the vet i know it i was like dude that's freaking awesome now i just searched because i thought i knew the name Corey dunlap and yep. we have 105 mutual friends um so oh, wow. I, lo I looked i looked at the blazer and i'm like okay and now i see the s10 and i'm like yep i see exactly what you're saying you see the white yeah so it's a white truck with green drips coming yes. down it that's 
he sends a lot of uh, Facebook messages privately to me of videos and stuff. But he's been building it for a while. His son was in the service and passed away, and so he oh, built that man. as a tribute truck for his son. So there's a lot of emotion, a lot of – I mean, that was a frame-off build. That literally was from the ground up. Wow. And I'm talking every nut and bolt. This isn't just an externally pretty truck. This is every bit of Corey's heart and soul went into this build. And then wow. he just picked up the Blazer recently. I don't know what he's going, what he's got planned for it yet, but Corey's got quite the car collection. Jeff Davies built a couple of his cars, and um, like a Chevy Colorado that, he, that Corey has, then a car. I can't remember what kind of car it was. It was like a blue and white older car. I'm, I'm forgetting off the top of my head yeah, what it was. Yeah. But, yeah, Corey, Corey's been around a long time. Him and Jeff are really close. And uh, Corey and I used to get, you know, live right across the hall from each other in an apartment complex in South Dakota. And when both of our ex-wives were, you know, being crazy, we would disappear together and go drink beers and <laughs> hang out and hide out. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's awesome. But, yeah, I'll have to share some of his stuff as well. Uh, very cool. So transitioning back into the bike stuff, talk to us a little bit about your brand. Like, you know, a listeners sure. out there and they're going, okay, well, I don't know Sean, but I've kind of seen some of his Instagram posts, this and that. I'd love to hear kind of maybe how it started and just the backstory a little bit on what you're doing. Sure. So here's how it started. And this is kind of funny because it, it, I didn't ever have a plan to become a business. It, it forced its hand on me, really. I had an Instagram page like any other middle-aged guy. It had like kids and food and traveling and sunsets or whatever dumb pictures you put on Instagram. <laughs> and then I was like, well, I went to my aunt's house and found a Haro Group 1 frame half buried in her backyard. It was like uh -huh. her kids. I was like, can I have this? She goes, sure. And I was like, okay, I'm going to just, just kind of build this bike up. And it wasn't the greatest bike to build up. And I did it anyway, and I built it. And I went, you know what? I had a lot of fun doing that. So then I went on eBay, and I found a 91 GT Performer frame and fork set for $60. This is before the bike world kicked off into hyperdrive. Mm -hmm. So I bought it, and I was like, okay, I'm going to build that. And I built it, and I built it, and my wife goes, I love that. And I said, you can have it. I'll build another bike. <laughs> so I, I built – now now you see where it's going, right? And then yeah. so I built a dyno comp, and I was like, cool. Now we both have really sick, like, freestyle kind of bikes. And we're riding them around, and I posted photos of them on Instagram. A guy reached out to me that owns a clothing company on Rodeo Drive and said, hey, I want to buy both your bikes. I said, no, bro, they're not for sale. Really? Well – I want to give you some good money for them. If you'd sell them to me, I'd like to use them in my clothing company as kind of a promotional piece and, you know, have models sit on them, stuff like that. And then he gave me an offer. And at the time was a lot of money for a BMX bike. He offered me a thousand dollars a piece for those bikes. Hmm. And I thought, man, I lived in Phoenix at the time. And I said, I will drive him to California if you give me a thousand dollars a piece. So I did. I mean, I, I have friends and family in California. I said, what the heck? I'll make a trip of it. Threw him on the back of my car, road tripped out here, sold it to him, took the cash, went back. And I thought, huh, that was pretty awesome. And now I got two grand, so I'm going to buy another bike. And so it just started that way, right? And then yeah. I start realizing all these people contacting me on Instagram. And I quickly realized my personal page becomes a bike page. And now I'm just posting bike stuff. I build a red line and I sell it. I build another bike, sell it. So I have to go back now and delete all my personal stuff and change the name of my page from <laughs> Sean whatever to, I mean, I went through a few different names, honestly, before I landed on Rad BMX Builds. So it's an evolution, like yep. anything else. And then um, once I retired, we, we bought a big 40-foot motorhome and started traveling around the U.S. And we traveled full-time in our RV, and I was constantly on the hunt for bikes all across the country, back and forth, Canada, and I was finding bikes and parts everywhere. 
Well, here's where it goes crazy. I don't have anywhere to put them, so I'm mailing them to my mom that lives in Phoenix. And she has a storage unit right next to mine and has a key to my storage unit. Oh, boy. So I'd mail them to my mom, and she'd put them in my storage unit. This went on for about a year, and my wife had no idea. <laughs> I was just doing it kind of un- under the table, buy something on eBay, have it shipped to mom. I wouldn't say anything. I figured she wouldn't notice if it's under a certain dollar amount. She'd just sure, let it go. Sure. <laughs> I didn't realize how much stuff I bought over a year. Like, I'm, in my mind, I've completely built at least six bikes by the parts I've been sending off to my mom. So we get we get back to Phoenix and we're visiting the parents. I went, I'm going to head over to the storage unit. My wife goes, I'll go with you. I go, no, no, it's eh, fine. You I'll better stay it. home. <laughs> I was like, please, God, no, don't go with me. That's yeah. like the worst case scenario, right? It's like finding out you have a girlfriend. But you have worse, a girlfriend even. in the storage unit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I was like, I can't get out of it. She's adamant about going. And I go, maybe it's not bad. So we get there. I unlock the door. My wife rolls it up. And my mom is the worst in the middle of the storage unit. And she put everything in trash bags. It's like six feet tall, eight feet diameter. It is massive pile of parts. And like my jaw even hit the ground like, oh, my God, that can't all be bike parts. My wife goes, what is all that? Because last time she saw the storage unit, it almost had nothing in it. We sold our house completely furnished. There was almost nothing in this right, unit. Right. And now it's You got full. no cover now. <laughs> and I, I started looking. I go, um, those are all bike parts. She goes, that's, those aren't bike parts. She goes, that's inventory. Tomorrow you're opening a business. This is crazy. Yeah. And I said, okay, I don't know anything about opening a business. I've never owned my own company. Yep. But you know what's brilliant about that is now I'm starting off a business with a lot of inventory. And I said, okay, but she had one rule. There is no more using money from our personal account. You yeah. now need to finance yourself, your own addiction, right? Yep. So, uh, it's like a, you're a junkie, but now you just got to fund it yourself. So that's what I did. I, I built all the bikes out of those parts, and then I sold some, bought some more, sold, and just start working your way up. And now I'm probably sitting on a collection of about 30 complete bikes. And yeah, I've sold about 100 awesome. bikes this year. Yeah. Wow, 100. Dang. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's pretty nutty. And I'm really slowing down. We'll, we'll get to where I'm going with this company, but I can't keep that pace up, honestly. It's out of control. Yeah. And it's well, expensive. <laughs> yeah, go to radbmxbuilds.com. And again, radbmxbuilds on Instagram. Give them a follow. Um, you thank know, you. Uh, Sean, you, you, you've been about 30 years, my understanding, was in the service. So thanks again, man. That's yep. amazing. Thank you. Yeah, thank you very much. Now, you can also click on buy merchandise. And what I like, you know, obviously being a fan of the movie Rad, um, my dad brought her home on VHS when I was a kid. And I was hooked. I mean, I was kind of in that age group where I just couldn't get enough. And I love the naming convention of it. You know, as we kind of piggyback some of the side stories off the business and whatnot, I think it's amazing when four years ago, I was thankful to go to the Rad Helltrack event. Um, mm. And I went for the one day and I had kind of some other obligations, so I didn't get a chance to stay the whole weekend. And I, w- I wish in hindsight that I did because, I mean, I'm a big fan of the movie. But you, how ironic is it though now, like as you've gotten older and like you said a little bit ago, now you're kind of reliving a little bit of your late, you know, adulthood uh, in terms of teens and whatnot. You kind of forge relationships with like Martin Operito and, and um, yep. Eddie Fiola and stuff. I mean, how awesome is that? I mean, how did that even come about? I ask myself that all the time, honestly. <laughs> it's like, I'm just some dude, you know, I'm a middle-aged white male just sitting here playing with bicycles, but it's morphed into an open door opportunity yeah. for me. My Instagram really blew up. It's one of the larger bike Instagram accounts yep, yep. and it is completely self-made and it's taking years to get here. It doesn't grow to that level overnight. And I've been at this for seven, eight years now. And, uh, 
really, I, I recently started a YouTube channel, and it's Rad BMX Builds. And if you haven't subscribed, please do, because I'm trying to grow that and go that direction. But really, what that channel did for me is open these doors of opportunity yes. and moving to Newport Beach, California, because now I'm located at the heart of BMX freestyle, the 80s, all that iconic. All those people live here still. Like, I've got to meet Gary Turner and go to Gary Turner's shop and um, hung out with Eddie several times now and done an interview with Eddie. I can see Martin almost every day of the week. He's always riding his bike right up the street from where I live. So the opportunity of living here is endless. And, you know, I went over to Race Inc. the other day and hung out with Toby Henderson and Art and just walked through their warehouse and did a project for them. I just built a bike, which I haven't even revealed yet. I've just been showing sneak peeks on on Instagram. So there's just opportunity after opportunity. And we talked a little bit today, right before I went on this podcast, I was down at Haro and I was with John Bolchins and he's an ex pro rider, general manager of Haro showing, he's showing me a bike that hasn't even been released yet for Bob Haro's birthday ride out this Saturday. And just, just all these opportunities are being dumped in my lap and I couldn't be more thankful for it, honestly, but you do have to go out there and kind of put yourself in the middle of it. It's not going to come to you entirely. And I think the Instagram account and the YouTube channel has really got that opportunity available for me. Yeah, and you're running with the opportunity. Look, I mean, you you did almost three decades in the service. You're a well-spoken dude. You know, you you got the passion. I think, like, that's the thing that I've always learned and, and appreciated about, you know, whether someone's in the Hot Wheels or I'm in the Lincolns or mini trucks. Like, when you see someone that's so passionate about something, you kind of go, man, like, this guy's got it. And, like, run with it because you know we want you like i love seeing someone like you like become successful with something that that you love man yeah that's really it that's what makes it fun and not work right yeah when you love something like that and it's i mean it yeah i made a career out of the military but i didn't love every day of it i'd be perfectly honest with you that's that's a hard career to love every single day but um doing this even though it is technically a job i'm i'm the owner i can take a day off i can work 14 hours straight, whatever I want to do, I do. And my wife said the other day, she goes, honestly, I have to be real honest. I, You've worked harder after retirement doing this bike thing than I ever seen you work. And I've worked 16 hour days and stuff like that and beat myself to, into the ground. But this is a passion. Yeah. And for me, honestly, what really makes it for me is not the money. My motto in my company is building memories. And when I can give somebody a bike that brings back those nostalgic memories of when they were a kid, I mean, that makes it all so worth it to me. You know, you, people reach out like your videos really brought me back to X, Y, and Z memories and such good times that people had at a certain period of time for them. It's so awesome. It's so rewarding for me to be able to do that. And I've donated a couple of bikes to people and just people that wouldn't be able to afford to build a bike. I will wow. give them, you know, I've given them maybe a frame set to start off with or stickers or pads or whatever. Now I can't keep just giving stuff sure, away for free. Sure. It's not good for me, but but I certainly try to help people when I can, yeah, like my kid. My yep. f- yeah, absolutely. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty fortunate. So it's like, I'm not just going to be all about me and just try to keep moving forward. It's, it's bring other people up around me too, you know, and help people out that can't really have all these opportunities. And so, yeah, you know, like my, my friend's son had a birthday and I built him a custom 16 inch pit bike and just gave it to him. You know, that kid will remember that bike. Like I remember that Schwinn Stingray, you wow. know, I just, you know that you're giving someone a lifelong memory and you're just giving them a bike. It's as simple as that. So it changes people's lives. You nailed it in, in this world where, I mean, look, I'm not going to harp on, you know, cause I love social media. I love, 
a lot of this stuff, but I'll tell you, you know, even my son being 16, you know, it's hard to get kids off of, this is no slide against kids, right? But I mean, you know, when we were kids, look, I barely had a Game Boy that didn't even have a light in it. Like at night, you had to have a light on it, right? (laughs) So now, like they do have, you know, computers and iPads and all that stuff. So it is cool to to see kids kind of get out there and stuff. But the the thing that I thought was so cool was when I got a chance to briefly talk with Martin and Eddie, you know, I didn't know these guys like some other people. Um, I knew them from the magazines. I knew them because I became a big fan yeah. of rad and stuff. But, you know, I tell you what, I've seen a lot of videos where these guys have went around the world and they do these ride outs and you know, you know about a lot of this stuff. Those guys, I tell you what, are so humble. I mean, they'll sign stuff. Oh, sign my bike, sign my yeah. shirt. They're like, you know, I think that they realize, like, man, they're they're like the um, the upper echelon. I mean, I really mean that with all due respect of, of this like bike community. And there's a lot of other good guys. Don't get me wrong, but I tell you, they're they're good people, aren't they, man? Yeah, there's a half a dozen of them that have just literally changed lives, and they they didn't realize they were doing it then. They were young kids, you yeah. know. They were just out there, so thankful that they were being paid to go ride their bike, right? But while they were doing that, other kids were looking at them like these guys were kings, you know, and it was motivating those kids. And it was giving these kids memories that they have today because I get messages in my DMs all the time. Like, Oh man, that video, I met Eddie in 1980, whatever. And he did signed my, whatever the story is, but just these photographs of me with Eddie or Eddie signing my bike is brings back a floodgate of memories for a million people. And it's just wild. I just, I just made a video like 10 days ago. 11 days ago of the 87 GT performer that I just restored. And I went and showed it to Eddie and he signed it. I just made an 11 second reel on Instagram and that thing hit like 1.5 million views already. Wow. And that just shows me that one, holy crap, that's crazy. They had that many views, but at the same time, that's how many people that that saw it were touched by something like that. How many that hadn't even seen it yet? These guys, their global reach is insane. It's really yeah. crazy. Their social media presence is tiny, though. It's crazy. They're, they're, I feel like they're missing the boat now. They're really crushing it then, but they could still touch so many lives, but maybe they're kind of reeling it back a bit. But now with social media, you could really reach out to these people, and they would be so successful at it. Yeah, and at the Hell Truck event, when I briefly talked to Martin, I thought to myself, like, you know, I watched a lot of the old, and I still do, I watched old videos that people upload from their, you know, they, they finally, you know, pull into their computer and they upload the VHS stuff from all, and yeah. it's like, you see like how good he, how good he was, right? And how good he still is. But I love watching him on Instagram because I mentioned to him something about HB Tuesdays and there was this one account where this, I think there's a lady and he goes, oh yeah, that's so-and-so. And I go, yeah, I see her always take videos and photos of you and stuff. But I tell you what you'd be hard pressed to find a guy that's so passionate that you know how good he was 40 years ago. And look, yeah. he's still out there, dude. Like he rides like there's no tomorrow. 57 years old and rides every single day. He puts in the time day in and day out. It's his diehard. That's all he knows in life. He is a machine. And and I really hope that someone's listening. You know, uh, we just had, like I said, Alan Paradise on and he, you know, helps with documentaries and stuff. And he knew some of the people tied into the whole, Lords of Dogtown and stuff. But man, like someone need like we saw the amazing Tony Hawk documentary recently in HBO. Mm, like yep. like like Martin and or Eddie or both of them together like, you know, like I want these guys to get the love now, you know, get their flowers now because I mean these guys are all-time greats, man. Yeah, I want to ask you. I've been pondering this idea and talking to some other um, bike builders on Instagram. 
I've been thinking about getting together a bunch of these bike builders on Instagram and we're all getting into one place. Let, let's say California, yep. get them all to come here to California and get together and do like a Instagram live video of all of us and bring in like Eddie or Martin or Gary Turner, have some special guests and record it all, of course, yeah. and do some si- sort. I, the reason I think Instagram live would be a good idea is so then we get real time interaction and questions from people. Yeah, yeah. Even run multiple platform Instagram lives. So, you know, you get a barrage. Also, for us, it's good cross pollination of accounts where people can follow the other, other people that they aren't. Yeah. And I thought, man, it'd be great to get all of us together and we can talk about our thoughts on the bikes and the direction this this is going. Like like every fad has its highs and lows, you know. Are we at a peak right now? Because these prices seem like we are. Um, is it middle age? Like if you look at the analytics, my major group of followers is middle-aged men. It's guys our age because those were the influences when we were teenagers were these bikes. And now we can buy them and now we're enjoying them. So uh, when we become 15, 20 years older, uh, that that fad might disappear again, you yep. know. So, well, unless I've, someone brings it back, yeah, I follow a lot of the movie site location guys, like the Adam, the Woo, and Grim Life, and all these guys. And they recently four four or five of them recently got together in California, and they just kind of floated around. And they, you know, they all do a lot of times. It's the same. It's the same movie. But, like, Grim Life is really good about, like, going, dude, like, dissecting and going, okay, this was the exact angle and stuff. But I kind of like mm. your approach and your idea there because it's like you're getting together like-minded people with with a certain passion. And it's like yeah. we have we saw something in Florida was called Spring Fling, and they kind of do it. They kind of don't. They tried to unadvertise it because – I don't want to say it was just younger kids, but there were certain people that were kind of causing a challenge. And, and it's in a really uh, – St. Augustine's a really kind of uh, affluent area, and there's a lot of money there, and people didn't you know yes. like some of the stuff. So, But bottom line is, like, the guys with um, Planet BMX and, and, you know, and they brought in some of these talents and stuff like that. Like, I could almost envision that, like, over, like you said, on the West Coast. And, and they have some stuff, I'm sure, but, I mean, that would be a cool idea, man. I think it'd be a lot of fun, but you know, I, you got to realize me as a business owner in this industry. Now there's an end date, right? I, I can't see this being a successful business in 10, 15 years, unless I change direction and you start to evolve with the, the whatever's in demand at the time. So like the bike building was in such high demand, uh, 2020, 2021 bikes were sold out everywhere. So the guys that were selling bikes online were doing very well. I was selling bikes before I could even finish building them. People were trying to buy them off me. Um, and kind of they still are. I just posted a frame set the other day and someone was like, how much? I'm like, man, can I at least build the bike first? You know, <laughs> I, <laughs> you're like, come on. I, w- I would like to enjoy that part. You know, I'd like to actually build it myself. So people are still chomping at the bit to buy these bikes, but I know that that's not going to be a thing at a certain period of time from now in the future. So I have to change my company's direction, you know, with whatever the demand is at the time. But as a hobbyist or a collector builder, I'm still going to do that kind of stuff on the side if there's a bike that I yeah. want to add to my collection or a bike that I just think is too cool to let sit there and not get built. You know, that happens too. I'll see a bike and go, that's just a shame that's not built and I'll buy it and build it. Yep. Yep. So well, those kind of things will happen. Yeah. And when I think about, I follow some accounts like where these guys, as you know, in like Japan, they, they love you know, they've got their own style, but they'll mimic a lot of the American ways, whether, you know, they'll set up their little storage units that looks like an American garage or BMX mm-hmm. and even mini trucks. And I remember I bought 
um, the Kuahara, you know, not the not the current one they're doing with ET. I bought the one yep. from about four or five years ago from Flight BMX, and okay, I like I thought to the myself, twenty six inch. Uh, no, well, here's the thing. I got the twenty inch. I oh, got, nice! I got the I got a throwback one, and it was I got the black and gold one because oh, I'm not nice. al- I'm not always I'm not the biggest. Okay, I like the ET bike, but like those aren't mm-hmm. my favorite colors. So, but but I <laughs> thought <laughs> yeah. So I thought to myself like, okay, well that let's say that was four or five years ago, something like that. And you kind of go, well, you know, like what you just said a second ago. Well, it's kind of maybe hitting its peak, but I almost like think that if you do it right with the merchandise and some of the stuff you're doing with the number plates and the pads, like mm-hmm. you're kind of forging some of those, like you, you almost, you, you can almost build it in my opinion in a way that like eventually, I mean, you never know, you might have your own 29 inch bike or whatever, you know? Right. So. Yeah. And, and that's something I have in my back pocket that I'm trying to eventually get to is maybe the idea of my own frame set with like and it'd be sold online right so maybe like a pull down menu blue components gold components red components and then it's kind of a build your own bike kind of thing on the website and then i get the order and build the bike and ship it to you kind of thing that's where i'd probably like to end up my whole own brand at some point but also now that i've gotten into more of the social media stuff i want to be more of a content creator with this stuff using the bikes as the product and that's what I'm really enjoying right now is I'm, I'm really enjoying the filming and the editing and the posting of photos and stuff like that. It's a lot more enjoyable than wrenching in a garage in the summertime, you know, busting your knuckles all the time. At 50, that, that beats on you after a while. You know, the other, I think yesterday I shipped off four bikes and at the wow. end of the day I was done. Yeah, I was exhausted packing up four bikes and shipping them off. Yeah, there's and a thought, special way to pack them and all that. that. Yep. Yeah, you got to break them down, pack them up and... And I don't want them to get banged up. So I really put a lot of effort into packing bikes the right way, you know, and making sure that I've seen UPS deliver yeah. bikes to me and it's horrifying. So yeah. <laughs> I want to make sure they can withstand whatever they do to them and the bike doesn't get damaged. I put a lot of heart and love into these builds and I don't want them to get damaged on the other end for sure. Yeah. And when you think about like what we're talking, you know, it makes makes me think. I remember for a while I had the channel, and I haven't seen it in a while. But there's like a guy that's a toy guy, and he has a TV show, and he, you know, he's always on the hunt, and he gets a phone call, and you know, some of it's for the TV show, whatever. But you could even say the same thing about toys. You could be like, yeah, you know, toys, and this and that. And I know BMX bikes are maybe a little bit more niche market, but like with toys, I mean, who would have ever thought like they're having these conventions? And like, I'm a big GI yeah. Joe fan. I don't have all, you know, I don't collect all the stuff now. But like I'll see prices on stuff like the little you know in the in the box four hundred fifty five hundred dollars in the box all scuffed up and everything. It's crazy the longevity of the toys and what people and and I sometimes wonder will that still be around in twenty years? I guess so. so. Yeah, you know what? That's an excellent point. I hadn't thought about it in that that aspect, but you're you're absolutely right. Um, it could be something like that. And again, that's why I built a, a collection, and I'm going to hang on to that sucker as long <laughs> as I can. So yeah, uh, I have about. I don't know, 30 bikes sitting around that they don't even see daylight. And I know people freak out that I said, but you know what? I'm one guy. I can't ride all these bikes at once. So I rotate through them, but these are bikes I don't plan on selling. So when I post photos of like my CW phase one, the lightning bolt frame, I'm not going to sell that bike. You can't get that bike. You can't replace that bike. I'm not going to sell it because I would regret it immediately. So when you see bikes like that on my, my page and it, it doesn't say for sale. It's because it's not. <laughs> yeah. If I'm selling a bike, the first thing it'll say under the picture, which no one reads anything under the pictures, I right? Know. 
but it'll say for sale if it's for sale. If it doesn't, it's not. It's that simple. Yep, yep. But yeah, I think that's one thing I want to make the most clear to everybody is I post photos for content, not because I'm trying to sell it. So everything you see is not for sale, and I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. When I go to YouTube and I type in Rad BMX Builds, you know, you mentioned kind of your channel and stuff, and I've been trying to, mm-hmm. um, you know, up the watch minutes on your channel too, because I mean, I've I've enjoyed a lot of the stuff. I like the videos nice. even when you kind of show like, hey, this is how I clean my bikes, you know. And to me, mm-hmm. some people forget that even though that could be a basic concept, I, I've told my friend this. My friend's got 4K this and all this high end equipment and stuff, and I go, John. That's fantastic, but people want the content. You know, you can have a damn flip phone right. with the camera, take a damn video and <laughs> yeah. post it, and pe- people want it. Talk to us a little bit about like how you come up with a concept to go. You know what? I'm going to do a video today or tomorrow. Absolutely. That, I mean, that's a that's a great thing to talk about. My my wife, um, she has a YouTube channel as well, and we do things completely different. You know, I mean, I control my world; she controls hers. I do all my filming with GoPros. I have two GoPro 10s that I use, and I have another GoPro, an older one that I use. And all my footage is just using a GoPro because it's so easy to use and manipulate and attach to a bike and move around. And I can carry multiple GoPros instead of these nice, expensive, high-end vlogging cameras. Yep, yep. Uh, that if you're riding a bike, it would be very awkward, and if you dropped it, very costly, right? Yep, so yep. for me, the GoPros seem to work out pretty well. Um, and you can get them wet, whatever. It just seems to be a great uh, thing to use for BMX. So the, the bike cleaning video i didn't come up with that concept for that video monza bike company actually reached out to me and said hey we want to we offer um direction on how to maintain chrome on our website but we want to get that message across to our viewers would you be interested in making a youtube video about how to maintain the chrome i said i don't have one of your bikes in chrome if you send me one i can make a video and they did they sent me a bike which was amazing I put the bike together. I rode it over at Sheep Hills. I got some footage. If you watched that video, you saw me riding around in the dirt, yeah. going over the jumps. And yeah, I mean, I'm 50. I'm not doing a tabletop or a backflip, but <laughs> yep. I I try to get as dirty as I can in Southern California. It doesn't rain here, so we don't get mud puddles or anything. And I'm not going to throw it in the ocean, but I rode it around the dirt. And then I used the steps that they provide through their company on how to maintain Chrome. And then I gave a little insight from my experience as well into the video and how I maintain Chrome. And the video is a pretty well all-encompassing video on how to maintain a Chrome bike, especially in austere environments. Like I have a lot of salt in the air here because I'm real close to the, to the ocean. So that's something that I got to think about, you know, with metal and stuff, how to really try to keep that rust away mm-hmm. and how to maintain, maintain that. And people might not consider stuff like that. Sure. So, and it, conditions will vary greatly whether you live near the beach or you live in Phoenix, Arizona. They're totally different environments. So, yeah, I thought it was kind of a fun video to make. Not all videos do so well, but I, I did okay. And uh, I like doing how-to videos. I think it's a lot of fun. And I'm by no means a know-it-all. I don't know everything about bikes. I've been working on bikes my whole life, but I learned something every day. I went to Haro today and learned a half a dozen new things. So I am a sponge for knowledge, but I certainly don't pretend to know everything, but it was a fun video to make for them for sure. And how do I come up with content? Honestly, it's it's not easy sometimes, but then when it rains, it pours, and I have like five videos worth of ideas. And currently, I'm only doing one video a week, so I got to write them down or I'll forget, and then I have you know five weeks worth of videos to film. So I haven't run out of ideas yet, and sometimes opportunities present themselves. Um, this week's video, if you don't mind me talking sure, about it. please. I'm going to drop a bomb this this Friday's video. Uh, the other day, I was talking to Art, who's a general manager over at Race Inc., 
and they have these new rear dropout savers. And he says, did you get a set of those from me? And I said, no. He goes, come on over. I'll give you a set. So I go on over. They're only about 30 minutes up the road. And I walk in and Toby Henderson, the owner. So American BMX company and Cook Brothers and Race Inc. and yeah. Box Components. They're, they're all under one roof. It's all one, one, one company kind of thing. Um, all, all under the different brands. So anyway, I'm talking to Toby, and he's like, hey, uh, we're just BSing about the bike show in Carson. And uh, he says, would you be interested in doing a, a video about these dropout things? I said, honestly, Toby, no. I mean, it's it's a great product, and I'd rather just buy it because there's a lot of time and effort to go into YouTube videos. A lot of people don't realize yep. making a 15-minute video takes eight hours of my time yep, yep. for a 15-minute with editing and filming and, and all the music, and it just goes on and on. Yeah, yeah. So I said, no, really, it's not really worth that much effort. <laughs> I yeah. don't mean to be a jerk, but eight hours for a $50 part just doesn't make sense. So he says, oh, well, how about another video on something else? And we, we now have another thing we're going to do a video on later. But when he left, Art says, I have a way to make you do a video on this dropout saver. And I said, let's hear it. He pulled out a bubblegum pink RA26 um, racing frame, bubblegum pink. Wow. I'm, you know, I'm a sucker for that. I mean, my company colors are like that baby blue and pink yes. color. And I said, man, I've, I've been wanting to build a pink bike for years. And that color is absolutely perfect. But I had to turn him down and say, man, that would cost me $1,500 in parts to build easy. And he says, what if I let you pick out any part you want from the warehouse to build this bike? Wow. How do you say no to that? <laughs> you're, like a five, you're like a five-year-old at KB Toys now, you know? I was like, oh, my gosh. So right, right. grab the cart. Grabbed a cardboard box and ran through there like a crazy person and filled the box up full of every part I can find that I wanted and walked out with the frame and almost every major component that I needed to build a bike. Rushed home. I had a set of rims here already. I had to buy a pair of handlebars because I prefer the taller BMX bars on a cruiser bike, not the cruiser bars. Mm -hmm. just, a, just a preference. And I bought a few other little parts. So I don't have much money into it, but I built this bike, made a YouTube video about it, and it'll be promoting their dropout armor for it. But I basically built a whole bike to promote that little product. Very and that's cool. such a rad opportunity. Like that doesn't, who am I for that to happen <laughs> to? It just blew my mind, right? And now I get to keep this insanely awesome bike. Am I going to sell it? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. You have to stay tuned for that. But this bike you'll get to see for the first time this Friday on my YouTube channel. I haven't posted a full photo of it yet. I'm waiting till after the video drops. Yeah, yeah, for sure. We'll share the hell out of it. And that's the kind of good opportunity and unique stuff that comes up. Although me, you and I might not find a bike in a dumpster, you still kind of yeah. had that opportunity. <laughs> and they, they were able to kind of, you know, twist your arm a little bit. But, you know, for them, it's kind of a little bit of a write-off potentially. Hey, mark down the parts you got. And then, boom, yeah. you know, it's kind of a you scratch your back, we'll scratch ours. And, and I definitely like that. We're a lot in the same in the same space because for me on the Our Lifestyle Podcast YouTube channel, it it took me forever to get to a thousand subscribers, right? And then yes, like every yeah. every other day, I look and I'm just like, man, I got to get the four thousand minutes watched, you know, to get to that monetization yes. because you know, like if you can start, <laughs> even if a check comes in and it's two dollars in a month, right? I'm going to be excited yep. because it's going to give me even more motivation to go, you know what? I am going to film this and I'm going to put a little bit extra effort into it. You know, I loved your video. One of your first ones, I think was revealing my secrets, how to find old. That's school. my first video. Yeah. 14,000 yeah. views. Congrats, <laughs> man. Thanks. That was my very first video. Let's talk about awkward. I just watched it the other day. I always want to go back and see where I started from. Yeah, so I went yeah. back and watched it. I was like, 
God, so cringy. <laughs> but I mean, just watching myself is cringy, right? And yeah, but I, know what you mean. I want to see where I started, where I'm going, and and it, it's nice to look back on that. But yeah, that was a fun video to make, and YouTube does promote your very first video, so it does get a little promotion kick there. So that probably helps with views, but it keeps going because I found out. I think I'm. I've I've done well over 100 videos, probably 120 YouTube videos at this point. Uh-huh. And I've discovered what videos do well and which ones don't. Anything that shows like a peek into a personal space, like my personal collection, what's in my garage, like those type of titles seem to do very well. People inherently are a little bit nosy and want to see behind the curtain, right? Sure. It's just the way we are. So anything titled, and I don't really want to clickbait people. I'm not that clickbaity, but you show them my private collection. You show them what, you know, secret thing, racing cat, whatever. And they'll want to see that. But if it's like, Hey, shop talk. You know, I just wanted to catch people up on things I was doing. They do terribly. People are like, I don't <laughs> want to just sit there and stare at you and listen to you talk. Yeah, Thanks. That kind of hurts my feelings, but <laughs> I guess we'll move on from that. So you learn what does well and what doesn't. And people just want to kind of peel back the onion and see what the layers are back there. Behind the scenes kind of stuff seems to do really well. Oh, yeah, for sure. Something also that I wanted to tie into Eddie because I want to go back. I have not watched your Eddie Fiola interview yet. I added it to my playlist uh, today, so I'll tell people check that one out. I love the little. Yeah. You did a good job, I thought, with the thumbnail when you said "Does GTO any money?" Because yes. um, you know you want to kind of bring them into some of the things, right? That that you're going to talk about. But mm-hmm. this blew my mind. So when we first started the podcast, we started with merch, and it was too early. We were like a month in. And then we didn't do merch for like a couple years, actually like three years, three, four years. And I said, I want to get into merch. So, you know, we pair up with Graphic Disorder and they've just done fantastic stuff for us with their artwork. Well, we come out swinging and we do we did Mike Dominguez's on our first shirt, our first main shirt. Yes. We have Dominguez. And what we did is we did the tilt bed. So the back, we basically <laughs> paid for, yeah, for two artworks we paid for, right? So long story short, Eddie, it was like in the last six months or eight months, they had gotten together at this place in California, and it, I'm drawing a blank on the name. There's a, it's like kind of like a museum, but it's uh, it's not Radwood. It, it's something along those lines. What Woodward? What, yeah, I think that's what it is. I think that's what it is. Okay. So they they get together, and Eddie posts a photo of Mike, which I met Mike Dominguez at Spring Fling. He was so cool, real quiet, you know, like mm-hmm. super down the earth. So Eddie, so I, I was gonna try to give Mike one of the shirts, and Mike goes, ah, I, he goes, I already got one. My body bought me one. I was thinking, man, one of my shirts. You know, I grew That's up seeing insane. you in the and, and you own it. Well, then when they got together in the last like six months or whatever, Eddie posts a photo, and Mike Dominguez is wearing our shirt. Oh, and I was like, that. that was epic. I was like, dude, like, and again, you know, you and I, you know, we're not out here to like make money on this or whatever. You know, we got to no. do what we got to do, but. Like, to just be a small-town kid from Land O'Lakes that grew up riding hand-me-down bikes, like, I was like, you know, we made something that someone was like, damn, that's pretty cool. And that's kind of like some of the feedback you get with what you do because you're bringing back those memories. And to me, man, it's hard to put a dollar amount on the memories you can bring back, man. 100%. Yeah. This has been happening to me lately. Exactly what you're talking about is starting to come around to where I'm seeing stuff that I'm putting out. And it is just, it pulls at the heartstrings, you know, like someone will send me a photo of them wearing Rad BMX build shirt or hat or a sticker on their bike that they bought or just something, some sort of merch that they'd purchased. 
and it makes me feel so good. And then I went to that big bike show, the BMX Society bike show in Carson, California, a couple weeks ago. And like, I'm just a regular guy out there with a GoPro. Like, I look like any other person on the street. Yep, and yep. people were coming up to me at the bike show going, are you Rad BMX Builds? Can I get a picture with you? And That's awesome. My friend that was with me, I've known since junior high. He's not into BMX at all, but we've known each other since junior high. This happened to me like a dozen times, and I even signed a few things. Like, I signed my name. Like, these people don't even know what my name is. <laughs> and I signed my name on their stuff, and my friend goes, I've known you since like the eighth grade. Who are you? Like, what? what is happening? <laughs> That's awesome, like, isn't it? I think I made it. Like, <laughs> yeah, you're like, <laughs> how I made crazy. It. Oh, man. Like, that was the weirdest feeling. And it, I felt so, like, just accomplished, not in a cocky way, but like, wow, all my efforts really you know made an impact somewhere and that made me feel really good about yeah it. i mean 100 so humbled and honored completely that's so it was a really cool. good time and it's happened a few times since like i was getting a haircut this is when i very first started my youtube channel i had 300 subscribers it's getting a haircut two blocks from my house and this guy comes in walks in the door and he goes you're that guy with the youtube channel and i about <laughs> broke my neck i said what and he goes, I watch your channel. It's like a BMX thing. And the barber goes, you have a YouTube channel? I go, kind of. <laughs> like, not really. I mean, I kind of started one. And the, the guy that walked in said, put it on the TV. And I said, oh, God, no, don't do that. <laughs> the guy has like a 72-inch a TV. It's ridiculous. AK. Like, you can feel the, yeah, you can feel the heat come off of it. And, I was, and the guy goes, okay, I'll bring it up. He's like, oh, no, just cut my hair, please. This is embarrassing. So he brings it up and... Now they're watching my videos. My haircut turned into a 90-minute haircut while they watched Rad BMX Builds videos. You're like, I'm not and tipping so you extra. <laughs> yeah. It's like, just get me out of here. I'm so embarrassed. Uh, that's freaking so, awesome. So, yeah, it's it's really wild, you know, when that happens. Well, and, but it's fun, too. Yeah, and one quick, you know, thing that I'll point out is that, you know, when I started doing the podcast and going to shows and doing these little videos and stuff, you know, there's always, I think, people that don't do any of it they look at it and go, oh, well, this, you know, I've heard people say about me, like, you know, I've always wanted to get into going, dude, I'll do freaking voiceovers. I'd love to do that. It's one reason I started the podcast. I was like, man, let me try to open some doors. But, you know, there's people like, oh, awesome. he's got a stupid voice or he's got this. So it took me a little while to like weed out a lot of that stuff. And, you know, like, like you said, yeah. you nor I, or we're not famous people, but like, I can not understand how a famous person deals with just people that are just constantly going, you know, on social media and this person's an idiot and they said this and said that. And, and I had to basically just ignore that noise, you know, hundred percent. I'm learning that. Like I, I'm, I can get confrontational and I need to not do that on social media. Yeah, yeah. Like I'm like just being in the military that long, you don't let someone say something to you and you not say something back. So I'm, I'm, I'm okay with doing that. So I need to not do it on social media and, and if I've done it to you, I should apologize. But at the same time, like I never write negative stuff to people. Like I would not go out of my way on a social media platform to write something negative. I'm I'm one of those that grew up. If you don't have anything nice to say, just don't say it or scroll on it. Like you don't yeah. need to sit there and write out a book how crappy you think that thing is or whatever. So people that do that, honestly, on my page, if I see that, I just instantly block them. Ninety nine percent of the time, I used to go look at their their page first before I commented and they're not even followers. Yep. So they're people that went on to a picture that you posted that don't even follow you. They just wanted to talk some crazy smack for no reason because they know nothing about it. And I'm just like, and blocked. So I must have blocked a thousand people this last year that just talk madness for no reason whatsoever. Yeah. So yeah. Now, honest, honestly, now that the account's grown a little bit, 
Um, and I don't mean to overlook people that actually have legitimate comments, but there are so many comments. It's, it's hard to read them all, honestly. Yeah. I had so, to find when you go on YouTube, you go into the YouTube studio area yep. and then there's the, as you know, there's the comment section and it kind of lets you now filter like ones I haven't responded to, but yeah, you, you, you could see why a big company has to have a whole social media team. That's right. And I'm getting there to where I'm going to consider sometime soon, a someone to run my Instagram page for me because it takes so much of my time. And when I'm trying to film for YouTube and balance that Instagram account, it's full time for me all day, every day. Yeah, for sure. So, and again, that's why I don't sell through Instagram because that would be, I would have to full time do Instagram and I just don't want to do that. Oh yeah. So yeah, it's people don't, people just think I screw around on my phone. Like, Oh, you don't really do anything. You're retired. What do you do all day? Wow. This is a full time job. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it definitely is, man. That's crazy. It really is. What are your thoughts on, um, you know, these re-release of bikes, right? So to me, when, when Tony, my buddy, Tony boss Bolin and I, when we went to, um, spring fling a couple years ago, I rode my crew, my quote crew Jones, uh, tribute bike. And man, I was on that 20 inch bike for like, it felt like an hour. And I woke up the next day and I was like, man, I feel <laughs> like wrecked, man. Like I felt yeah. like really weird. <laughs> so, yeah. um, the, so now like you see like with GT and you see these epic colors and all that stuff coming back and they're on the bigger bikes. What's your thought, whether, whether it's Kuahara doing a 20 or it's, you know, GT doing a 26 or 29 or 24, what's your thoughts on the re-release of bikes? Do you think it's good? Do you think it's bad? So when they first started doing that, I hated it, honestly, because I was so into the old school 20-inch bikes. I'm, I was narrow-minded, looking through a straw. And I was like, nope, stupid, ugly. And they're just missing the mark with the colors and the look. And then it just, I hated them. And then, like you, I can't, I'm, you know, I'm 5'8", 185 pounds, 50 years old. Riding a 20-inch bike is not great for any extended period of time. So, yeah, I used to be able to ride it 20 miles all day every day when I was 15, but that's not the case nowadays. When you get on a 24, 26-inch bike, and I've, I've had a, a 29-inch Big Ripper uh, for years, and I loved riding it until I rode a 26. And then I fell in love. I, geometry on that bike was so perfect for me to ride around down here at the beach, comfortable, easy to pedal, easy to ride, easy, easy everything. So now uh, – I look at it completely different and uh, I love them, but I'm a custom bike builder and I still think a lot of these big box companies that are building these bikes like GT are missing the mark with how they should look. So if you've noticed um, with that Eddie video you were talking about, that is a 26 inch GT pro performer, a brand new one. And it was that Radberry dark purple color they came out with, that translucent purple. Yep, yep. I took that bike and immediately stripped it, powder-coated it yellow, put World Tour decals on it, put a front brake on it, uh, put chrome rims on it. Like, I just changed the bike to look more appropriately old school, even though it's a new bike. So I wish GT would have just done that and brought back the old school look with a new school bike. But now they're coming out with, like, I don't know, the, the new Pro Performer this year in the 26 inches is like eight different colors. It's really weird looking. And again, I would just have to and, and take it and powder coat it. So the 24-inch Dyno I just built, it's all black like the 87. It doesn't come that color unless you buy the 29. Mine's a 24. It came in red, which is why, they, why Volker decided to do a red. I have no idea. So instantly I took it, stripped it down, powder coated it, re-decaled it, put BMX pretzel bars on it said the cruiser pretzel bars and I made it look like a 20 inch 87 dyno comp and now it's a 24 though 
So I want the old school look with the new school ride is what I'm going yeah. for. So I've been building a lot of those bikes, dinos, GTs, so on and so forth. I've been doing a lot of those lately. I yeah. love them. Yeah, and because parts, parts are readily available, <laughs> which is nice. Yeah, and I that's what I tell people. Go check out his video where he talks about that, you know, the Amazons, the Ebays, Pork Chop, all those yeah. different outlets. What I think is ironic, though, is this, that it's almost like SE has gotten to such a level. Now people, like, we're scratching their heads going. And, again, I, I'm not looking at numbers. I don't know the sales numbers. I, I don't. But you look at SE, right? They're street team, and they're out there, and they're wheeling, and they're doing all this stuff. And love it or hate it, you get all these kids that are now riding bikes where yeah. before they probably weren't. But then, like, if I go on GT's site now, no slight against them, big uh, Bill Allen fan, right? And Bill, years ago, had hinted that he was going to launch, like, his own bikes. And he kind of had a couple that were built. And then I think he did something. And the price was kind of, you know, it wasn't cheap. Mm-hmm. So I was like, you know, it's a little bit out of my price range. You know, I'm not going to be able to get one of Bill Allen's bikes. But, you know, it kind of had their Crew Jones spin, right? But now GT has one they announced. And I'm going, okay, it's a 1000 bucks, But it's like... It, it doesn't have, like, you know, why not do the blue tires? You know, why not do a little bit more? Yes. Thing down? It, it says crew on it, and it has some nods to Rad. But it's oh, like you're you, talking about the Rad bike they did. Yeah, the Rad Series yeah. 29. And I thought to myself, mm-hmm. if, if they could have tweaked it a little bit more, you would have had people a pulling out more. their credit cards. <laughs> go, yeah, going, dude, I don't care. Fucking 1500 man, I fucking want it. Yeah, I hate to talk negatively about bikes, yeah, but they yeah. absolutely missed the mark on that bike. 100%. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I uh, and, and that's my own opinion. I mean, people love the bike. People bought the bike. And if yeah. you love it, that's really all that matters. My opinion doesn't matter. But I don't want one. Uh, I wouldn't want one if someone gave it to me because it's not my look. You know, it might be. Yeah. And honestly, I, I think, and I'm not saying my look is the majority, but they would have done a lot better if they put a more effort on making it look more correct, right? Instead of an homage, tribute, and then they missed the mark with the colors. Yeah. Yeah, so, and again, it's no slight. It's it's just we've seen it with shoes. We've seen it with all kinds of stuff where it's kind of like, yes, yeah. yeah, hey, look, we'll give you a thumbs up for the effort. But if, if you could have just spent a little bit more time, and granted, I know probably during this, you know, you got the pandemic and you got all this. I, I understand the world's crazy, but I, that, like you said, that's just our opinion. So Yeah, I think these companies came up late with the Heritage Lineage bikes, retro bikes. I think they're a couple years too late with it, but – Whoever's in charge of their design on them didn't ride bikes in the 80s. Uh, whoever's in charge of their design is probably some new school person or someone that's never designed or seen old school bikes at all. Because if they were making new school bikes, like retro old school looks, I think they'd be flying off the shelves. I think they would dramatically increase profits like nobody has ever done with a bike line before. Haro's trying really hard. There are people at Haro that I can say – trying really hard, but Haro as a company as a whole is not on board with these lineage bikes, but they are some of the better quality retro bikes that are out there. Racing's doing a pretty good job too with bringing back an old school looking style frame and now starting to come out with some sick colors. And I'm pretty happy to see that. There are a couple of bike companies that are out there, but GT's components are awesome looking, but man, they're missing the mark on colors and and stuff like that. And we are talking about SE bikes. That's now a movement. Like SE, Todd Lyons, their, Brad, their brand manager, has created almost a cult-like following with their brand. And that's really why, G, why SE is so successful right now. 
The only hangup I have with them is they've gone a little crazy with the look. And I think because they're almost maybe running out of ideas because they're coming up with a new look every week, it seems like. Yeah. It seems, and it also seems like a lot of the time it's the same bike, just different color, different stickers, different grips, whatever. And I almost changing the overall look. Yeah, and I almost think it's because, like, you know, think about the people that collect the Nike Air Jordans, and it's like, okay, I like a pair of Jordans and whatnot, but, I mean, there's a million colorways, and it's like, is it just that every, you know, all these big super fans will go, I got to have every single one? Like, my buddy Tony, yeah. I mean, I'm not making this up. He probably, at one point, he probably had 75 or 100 SC bikes. Now, a lot of them were brand new. They were the Miamis. They were the, he went and bought, yep. like, 10, 20 at a time because he was traveling, and he got them Jeez. all, and then and then he was making a couple hundred. He wasn't he wasn't really really gouging people, you know, like some people were. But mm-hmm. but then like when I go to his place and I go, dude, and and he's got like the Bassett, and he's got this, and he's got that. And I'm going, dude, Tony, you got freaking man, you got retirement right here. It's 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 nuts. Yeah. But um, <laughs> a lot of money tied up in bikes. Yeah. Speaking the other day when we had exchanged a, a, an Instagram direct message. One bike that I wish that, you know, we've, we've kind of seen, and I know Mongoose has been sold. My buddy Billy, um, you know, mm-hmm. has kind of explained how some of these bike companies ended up, you know, folded into each other back in the day for this one big conglomerate. Yeah. I think they own Schwinn and um, some of these different bike companies. But when you look at the Karate Kid movie, you know, that 2.4, I think it was called, that bike is, like, super rare. I think I remember, like, 10, 15 years yes. ago looking into it. It's like, you can't find one, Right. Yeah, I yeah. W- I hope, and I'm not saying I would maybe even go buy it, but I would hope like like start releasing stuff like that maybe in a 24, right. or 26, 29 because those bikes like with Karate Kid, especially with Cobra Kai being so successful, it's like you're kind of dumb not to, you know? Exactly. So yeah, I agree, and <laughs> they are very rare. By the way, I I drove all the way to the other side of Los Angeles, north of LA, not too long ago to buy a 26 inch Hutch. And when I get there, I buy this hutch, and the guy didn't realize that it was serial number 001. No way. And Yeah, so I bought this hutch just biting my lip to where he could almost taste blood in my mouth, just wanting to get it in my car and drive away after giving <laughs> him the money, hoping he doesn't realize what I just bought. And then he says, I have another hutch, a 24-inch. I also have a 2.4, and I went, I didn't bring enough money. <laughs> I just gave him $2,200 for the hutch I bought. And then I'm thinking, I don't even want to ask how much you want. Like, I will literally drain my bank account yeah, if I don't yeah. drive away. Yeah, yeah. So they're still out there, and people still have them. They didn't all go to a junkyard or a thrift store. They're still floating around, but you're right. They're rare. And I think if they – there are companies – I'm starting to see some companies, like R4, I think is the name of the company. I'm not trying to plug their company. i just sure, seen it. Sure, sure. Uh, does a 29-inch that looks a lot like a mongoose, and even the colors on it. And they're selling it at a great price point, but at the same time, 29 is too big for me, uh, so I don't even really look at 29-inch bikes. I'm more into a 24, 26 because my body size just fits better. And also, I, you get that big front wheel flop on a big, heavy 29-inch bike. You know, you turn the wheel and it just wants to flop over because mm-hmm. the they're so tight. You know, the, the geometry on them, your, your toes hit the front wheel when you turn it. They just get too big at some point. Yep, yep. But there's definitely a 29-inch movement out there, that's for sure. Oh, <laughs> Todd yeah. Mines has proven that. I know um, I, I know what I was going to say earlier. I kind of forgot. I, I have my whole Lincoln Attic brand where I post Lincolns and stuff. And occasionally I'll open the Facebook app to bring me over so I can look at the comments and like and comment back. And 
And it's like the amount of hate that people get, you know, on these airbag Lincolns. You know, they're like, oh, did you reinforce the frame? And it's like it's a unibody. There's no yeah. frame. And it's like some of the people, like, you know, a lot of them, and listen, I might no age discrimination. There's sometimes they're like older Real old white guys, yeah. and they'll be like, you know, I remember. I mean, you guys are ruining these cars. And I'm like, dude, this car was built 15 years ago. Like, like, just stop, you know. And I know, like, the <laughs> bad thing is, okay, social media. You want interaction. You and I both know that. The bad thing yes. is, is I when people comment those type of things, like I'm like, I don't even comment back. And, and like you said, I just block them, you know. And I'm like, yes. I'm losing subscribers and followers, but I'm like, I don't care because it's like, like, dude, like if you don't like something, to your point earlier, Sean, just keep scrolling. No big deal, man. <laughs> yeah, let it go. You're not going to change my mind or how I'm not going to go back and make it the way you wanted it. I made yeah. it the way I wanted it because it's mine. Oh, yeah. I didn't, I didn't build the bike for you. All my bikes I build for me. I don't build for other people. I don't build for a customer in mind. I don't do restorations for people. I build a bike the way I want it built. I'm not building it to look like it looked in the catalog. I'm not building it to be a show bike. I'm building it to be a vision of how I wanted to build it. That's how I build my bikes. Oh yeah. And then if I'm done with it and I sell it, you can do whatever you want to it. I don't care or love it the way it is. So don't get on there and hack on everything I do because I'm doing it for me the way I want it. Not the way you think it should be or the way that it was when it came out. That's not how I build bikes. Yep. Yep. So I'm like a mini trucker. It's everything's its own style, right? You go out there, maybe you find out you did something different and then it becomes a thing. Like everyone's doing it. Like, Hey, I'm going to fleck my speaker box. Holy smokes. Now look, everyone's doing it. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to shave my doors like an old hot rod did. And now everyone's got shaved doors, tailgates and gas filler doors and cows, you know, everything's shaved. Oh yeah. So by being different, you could actually prob you know come across something that will become the most popular, amazing thing ever at some point if you're lucky, and you you created it. If you oh, do yeah. everything the same all the time, nothing will ever evolve, and I strongly believe that. So, why duplicate something identical to the way it's been 35 years? I want to change it a little bit and put my own touch on it. I want to be able to walk through a bike show and go, "Hey, that's one of my old bikes," and yeah. I and I know that because it's a little bit different, you know. Oh yeah. Just got a so, couple more things for you, Sean. One of them is sure. when I went to Spring Fling a few years ago, I got a chance to meet Bob Haro. And you yeah. know, there were some other guys there. And, um, you know, I never had a Haro bike growing up, but I knew Bob in terms of the magazines, right? And I kicked myself because, you know, he signed a couple things and he was super cool. And we had this conversation, like, super down the earth. And then later on, I found this article only to realize that he had submitted most of the photos, but we just had the. 40th anniversary of ET and Bob uh, I find out through this article that again I sent it to Bob and Bob's like oh yeah I've seen that and I go back and look and I was like yeah all the photos were Bob's photos that he submitted but yeah. the the crazy thing is I didn't know at the time that he was the that he won he was an ET but he was technically I, I found out through the article on narratively.com that uh, he was the only stunt writer credited in the movie, and I thought to myself, that was 40 years ago, and if you think how far things have come, you know, with movies and, and um, um, you know, you, you have uh, BMX Bandits and Rad and, you know, even the skateboard mm -hmm. movies and stuff, it's crazy that it's been this 40-year run, and, and obviously it goes back before that, like you said, in the 70s, man. Yeah, that's wild. Yeah, Bob, uh, I've never met him personally. I mean, I was at Haro today. Bob doesn't own Haro anymore, but he lives close to there, and... Uh, he has a big event this Saturday down in the San Diego area. And everyone there asked me, are you going to go Saturday? Are you going to go Saturday? Friday, I'm leaving for Puerto Vallarta 
Uh, it's my wife's birthday on Saturday. Okay. So I'm, I'm going to be in Mexico, So which is a great alternative to not going to Bob's ride out on Saturday. But <laughs> it's a shame because I, I, I still want to meet Bob. I've yet to meet Bob myself. I've had a great opportunity living here meeting just about every single pro that lives in this area, but I've yet to meet Bob. And I've messaged him a few times on Instagram and shown him some of my Haro builds, but we really haven't had much interaction Yep. Uh, so I look forward to it someday at some point. Uh, he doesn't live that far away. He's like an hour away. I hope sometime if he's listening to this, um, we got to get together at some point. So let's make that happen. Yeah, and definitely <laughs> bring some, time. You got to bring something of old VHS, ET, something, because I kind of wish I would have had him sign something. But, uh, you know, he signed a couple of things, and, dude, he's a super cool guy. Like I said, I, I'm, I, don't, I don't have any connection to the – you know, I'm kind of lucky to have just met the couple guys I did. Um, but um, – you know, I kind of wanted to share that. The other thing I wanted to share yeah. that's on your YouTube channel, I would tell people, check out Rad BMX Builds. Let's show Sean, uh, f- uh, military veteran, amazing dude that you've learned, of course, through this podcast. Show him some love. Go out there. It's free. Just subscribe to his YouTube channel. A Radical Rick interview. Now, Radical Rick had Man, a least- I- Yeah, yeah. Tell yeah, us about so that. so good. Dude. So yeah, this was, it, I'm, I'm actually right in front of my Radical Rick display right now while we're talking. So it's kind of awesome you brought that up. So uh, Damien Fulton is his name and he is the artist of Radical Rick. And this guy is so much more than Radical Rick, but Radical Rick is how I know him. You know, growing up as a kid, going in and grabbing the magazine and flipping through right to read Radical Rick's cartoon in the magazine. I remember that as a kid. And I never thought beyond the cartoon strip, like, who's drawing that? I didn't care, right? You just wanted to see Radical Rick because we all lived through Radical Rick. Radical Rick was like the kid we wished we could or he was our friend. Yeah. Yeah. We all related to him in some way. So when I got here um, in California, I realized Damian Fulton, the artist, doesn't live too far away. And I messaged him and probably the most humble, down-to-earth, coolest guy I think I may have ever met. And I said, would you be interested in doing an interview for my YouTube channel, which had almost nobody on it at the time? He said, yeah, I think that's awesome. And he starts looking at my page, and he's like, wow, you're, you're really involved in this BMX stuff, and that's great. And he came to my house. He's the only person I've ever actually had come to my house. I'm usually a very private person and where I live. But I wanted to do an interview with him. And you talked about the Eddie Fiola interview uh, I did. That was at a garage right near Miramar uh, Naval Air Station, so the jets were flying over. It's very uncontrolled, uh, very loud background, poor lighting. Like, it wasn't the greatest, and I didn't want to duplicate that with Damien. So I thought my living room would be the best place for that, even though here at the beach it's pretty loud, but it was better than where I was with Eddie. So Damien came over. I got to meet him. We talked off camera for a little bit, and I realized him and I have so much in common. We almost lived the same lives growing up as kids. Damn. He grew up near here riding bikes and skateboards, and I was like, you are me just a few years older. It was really crazy. We chewed a lot of the same dirt growing up. So the interview went very well, and it, it just so it was so natural going back and forth with him. And then the coolest part, and I, I really wanted this to happen, and maybe I willed it to happen, but I never wanted to ask him to do it. He voluntarily sat down at my dinner table and drew a personalized radical Rick drawing for me right in person in front of me. And I filmed it and it's in that video. You can watch him draw that drawing, which is now framed right here in my living room. And so he drew it out freehand and then watercolored it and then presented it to me. And that's the thumbnail. You see me holding that photo 
And then I ran out and got it framed, and now it's right here in my living room. And Damien and I are still talking to this day, good guy. And just I thought that video would do so much better, but, I mean, a lot of people don't like to watch interviews. But you should watch that one because such a rad dude and such a crazy experience to actually watch him draw is great. Yeah, and it will over time, I think, with the algorithms the way they are and the stuff I've learned. It's like there's no rhyme or reason, but I'm going to I'm gonna check it out. I've added that to my queue as well. Now, again, I'm not the biggest collector. I've got, you know, I've got a handful of bikes, kind of some mongoose stuff here and there. But I have a keen eye on social media. And about a year ago, maybe two years ago, they had announced that he was going to do like the the little, um, he did some sort of pack where it was a box and it had some, some individual things and whatnot. And I was able to get in. I guess they sold out quick. And I bought one of those, you know. That's awesome. the only thing I really have that's connected. Um, but to... to for you to be able to meet him, him come to your house, and and he just <laughs> yeah. when you see him, he's like a real guy, you know. But to your point, we all kind of live through him vicariously through the drawings yes. and yes. the cartoons. And I, and in my interview, I made it a point to ask. I, I ask a lot of the off questions that normal interviews wouldn't ask, you know. And I, like, I want to know what Radical Rick's face looks like. Have yeah, you ever yeah. drawn him without the helmet and goggles? You know, like I, t- I ask him questions like that. And like, where, what is your influence? What's your inspiration on these places that you're drawing? Are they real places? Are these real tracks? Where are you drawing this, you know, all this, where's it, where's the inspiration coming from? And I ask him questions like that. So it was a lot of fun to dig down into that. And afterwards he's like, wow, you really made me think about a lot of those. Cause like, I've just been living that life for so long. I didn't really think about what made me want to draw him like that or his, you know, all the other characters in the Radical Rick series and how they came about, like the bullies and stuff. We always draw from those experiences personally in order to come up with stuff. So it's kind of a really neat story to hear from him. Yeah, hundred percent. And yeah, I tell you, Sean, um, you know, we've had a great trip down memory lane talking about, you know, the old school, a little bit of minis, of course, your brand, which again, I would encourage people Instagram and YouTube. It's free rad BMX builds. You can go to the website as well. Now, of course, uh, you can show them some love if you want to go above and beyond, buy a hat, um, you know, buy some merch. Yes, please. I'd love to see down the road, right? I know it's easy for people to go, oh, I'd love to see you launch. I would love to see <laughs> some snapbacks and or flat bill hats. And then, dude, you, the, okay. you, you can have my money. You know what I'm saying? Um, if you get any all of those. All hats in, are snapbacks. Okay. They're, so, they are, they're all snapbacks, but they're not flat bill. I look weird in a flat bill, but okay. I could probably get some for you. Yeah. If you, uh, and, and all my merch, some. though, is Yep. All my merch is uh, through Bunker Branding, which is owned by a YouTuber, yep. and okay. all the all the merch he does is for other YouTubers. That's and they're sick. out of Bernie, Texas. And his name is Matt. He owns Demolition Ranch. This guy has like 10 million followers on one channel, 4 million on another, 4 million on another. He's got three different channels. So wow. he's a huge YouTuber. And all the other YouTubers kind of in his circles use this company called Bunker Branding that he created. So all these YouTubers that sell merch – a lot of them are coming through That's him. Sick. So if you buy merch through my website at radbmxbuilds.com, it's fulfilled at Bunker Branding and shipped from there. So I don't hold any inventory. I can't give you a cool deal or mail it and sign yeah, it. Yeah. I can't do any of that. Yeah. So it's all through a distributor, so to speak. Yep. So you order it through the website. The order is sent to them. They fill it and ship to you. So that's how the process is. And I'm sorry, but... I would love to personally give it to you, but uh, I would be sitting on inventory, and I just don't have the space to do it. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it's smart. I know um, I was helping my buddy with delivery stuff for a while after I kind of retired from the company I was at for a long time, and 
and like the Dude Perfect stuff. You know, they have a crazy YouTube channel and all that, and all their stuff comes from the same type of thing. So I mean, it's smart, smart business. Yeah. Um. So yeah. so so I like it, but I mean, we we've had such a good uh, trip down memory lane. And I appreciate. It. Like I said, I the cool thing is I don't know the most about bikes. A lot of people reach out to me, and I and I'll say, look, man, and I'll ask my buddy Tony, and he'll know. Um. But I, I, I truly love it. I mean, I rode my bike so much as a kid, and I know enough to, like, have a conversation. But it's cool to be able to sit down with you, someone that's so passionate. Again, someone that gave almost three decades of, of service to the country. And I know Independence Day is getting ready to come up. And, uh, yeah. like I said, I want to tip of the cap and thank you, man, for, for your service you. again. But, um, dude, just keep doing what you do, man, and the sky's the limit, my friend, Sean. You, you're the same. I, I love that you do this. This is such a great opportunity. And if you'll ever have me back, I'm always available sure. to you. So just just let me know. I love sitting here chatting about bikes and trucks and, and the history of all of that, and it's my pleasure. So anytime you want to hit me up to do this, if anyone else has questions or anything, let us know. I'll be more than happy to answer them. If you want to contact me directly, just the best way to get a hold of me uh, is the DMs on Instagram or in my website. There's an email link if you want to do any sort of collaborations or anything like that. That's a good way to get a hold of me too. Yeah, check out his pad sets, some of the number sets. You know, you got some cool stuff if you want to add it to your man or woman man cave. Uh, happy born day to Thanks. your wife and enjoy Mexico, dude. And, and I'll keep in touch with you, brother. Awesome. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks, Sean. We're out of here, everyone. Listen, stay tuned. We'll hit you guys next week with another episode. Yeah.